Hello, all guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast brought to you on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout. Watched a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Haven't watched nearly as much wrestling. And, and knowing the subject of what we're going to cover starting today, I have made sure to, you know, appropriately pregame you know i'm 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 nice and i'm nice and shwasted right now you know i'm like i'm like 10 twisties deep uh as as i think is thematically appropriate uh for the man we are we are here to discuss uh today it's time for our first arc with the ultimate, ultimate warrior. yeah yeah so i've talked about this a little bit before but I really want to reiterate that the Ultimate Warrior, even though we have seen him now pop up once or twice, and we talked about him a little more, he he's like this enigma of wrestling to me, where the first time I saw people ever re- referencing him was when we went to the uh, Detroit house show for WWE, and I saw like a sign that had like the Ultimate Warrior face paint on it, and I thought it was a Sting reference. <laughs> so like and and it was like this slow like i started to see that pattern pop up and i'm like no way and fuck that sting why would all these wwe people mark out for sting when he was with the company for like maybe a year and a half so i slowly started to learn about ultimate warrior and like i guess he's some phenomenon because everyone insists on constantly referencing him always and i've seen barely anything of him and we've talked a little bit about why he's a phenomenon and i get a little bit why he's a phenomenon but i've never really experienced it until now we will experience the power of the warrior yeah i want to see well i my quest during this arc and and you'll you'll explain in a second what the arc is but i i want to set up from the back my quest during this arc is one of discovery i want to discover why the ultimate warrior why is this man in particular who i know fuck all about and who a lot of times doesn't seem to be included in a lot of like big mainstream discussions on like you know uh, at least none that I've seen. Like, I don't see him featured on that many parts fun known listicles. I don't, like, like, people, I don't hear people talk about Ultimate Warrior in the way I hear people talk about Hogan, or Hart, or Foley, or, like, any one of that, tier, or Flair. Like, I want to discover how this man, who, on, who, who in some ways seems to be of a, such a lower echelon that a lot of, like, the big legends of the industry why he still stands as such an icon you know the warriors was a flame that burned out quite burn bright and burned fast mm. um he pops up in the wwe in late in, in early 1988 um he famously breaks is the one who squat he squashes the honky tonk man in about 12 seconds to end the honky tonk man's then record breaking and still record length today intercontinental championship run oh shit uh you know hope hopefully that won't age too poorly as as gunter comes very close to the honky tonk man's remark but the thing is but the thing is Gunter holding that, breaking that record would be really based. So I'll allow it. So let's hope, 
so you know if if this if this ages poorly in a few months that's fine but you know then the longest reigning intercontinental champion ever and then he held he holds the belt through 88 88 and 89 and then in 1990 where we're coming at today he is on a collision course with the w to, to face the wwf champion hulk hogan so my one question for you if you know the answer where did they get warrior from so warrior basically was an amateur bodybuilder in the mid 80s of course he was uh, uh, but you know he he was found as as many wrestlers in the 80s were they were found in a gym somewhere <laughs> wait really Yes, a, a significant number of wrestlers have stories that go, I was just working out one day and my workout buddy said, hey, bro, I think you'd be good at pro wrestling. I know a place you can go train. And gave him fucking Vincent K. McMahon's card. Okay. Uh, not so quick to that. Uh, first, okay. he spent a small amount of time in Memphis, I believe. As well oh, shit as well as in world-class championship wrestling down in Dallas, uh, where he was paired up in a tag team with uh, the man called Sting as a tag oh, team, known, oh, a tag team oh, known as the Blade Runners. Oh, fuck. We talked about this. And that's because that's my theory about why they his makeup is the way it is. Yeah. Yes. Um, and Memphis was one of the bigger markets of the day right yes it was. It's, it was it was one of the bigger it was one of the bigger territories and kind of like the one of the ter few territories that was never truly conquered by vince mcmahon oh really it, it kind of just died it, it died i think it, it just kind of died out on its own especially as jerry lawler started getting more work in wwf in wwf yeah WWF never really supplanted the business in like tennis in the Memphis area. Like it's never, it was never like for a lot of these places, WWF kind of reached higher heights than, than a lot of the territories did just by nature mm -hmm. of being like, and then they were, but Memphis was not one of those places. WCW country is still kind of yeah. WCW country even today. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he spent a short time in Memphis, and he spent a short, a short time in um, uh, with a tag team in the Blade Runners with Sting. It, it's it's basically a situation of like everybody kind of saw Warrior's physique and realized he had bigger star potential than yeah. a tag team with Sting. Yeah, because like this, he he does look like a, a just one giant moving muscle. Yes, and it's that much why, I do know about him. It's why it's why within two years of of starting wrestling, Vince found him up, snapped him up. Is mm -hmm. again, is this kind of a situation of like, it's one of those things where like his in ring work is shit, and I think part of why it is shit is because everyone saw his physique and immediately said, "Make this guy a top guy." Yeah, and like, and nobody was like, "Oh, we don't need to train him." He physically like, looks look, look good. Look at him; it's fine. Yes, yeah. Which I mean, back then could let you co like you could coast on you that. Could go, you, could go, um, you could do all right for yourself like that. 
Uh, I mean, technically, you still can if you if you work for Vince McMahon in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three. You know, in theory, you still kind of can. But but it's it's t- it's not like it was back yeah. in the day. Yep, 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 yep. And his name, the Ultimate Warrior, by the way, that kind of comes from the fact that in 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 uh, in Dallas when he was in Dub World Class, uh, he was he was going by the Dingo Warrior again, part of the Blade Runner kind of the Blade Runner shtick. And then Vince got him, and he's like, what the fuck's a dingo? Uh, and I've got a better name, the Ultimate Warrior. What the fuck is a dingo? Vince McMahon so sealed inside of his own bubble, even by, the, what, 1988, that he's still, that he doesn't know, like, what the fuck a slightly non-American dog is. And, and actually, and actually, okay, I don't know the full history of dingoes in America, but as someone who whose parents have a Carolina dog, which is a North American dingo dog, like I feel like not even not knowing an '88, and also like there's a, some famous pop culture references, like a dingo ate my baby. So like even that, so it legitimately is kind of impressive. I think that even in '88, Vince is like, "What the fuck is a dingo?" Yeah. All right. So. Here's the Wikipedia page about this. There's a whole like four sentences about this particular issue. Oh, oh that's how uh, you know it's important. There is a dispute over who created the full Ultimate Warrior name. Bruce Pritchard stated that Vince McMahon did not know what a dingo warrior was, but because <laughs> there was the but because there was the modern day warrior, Carrie Von Eric, and the road warriors, there should not be one more simple warrior, but the ultimate warrior. warrior. Okay, Vince. Warrior claimed after one of his mat first matches, McMahon had him do a pre-tape promo. It was there Vince said, we want you to do Warrior, but we don't want Dingo. The Warrior then proceeded to cut the promo and say he was not this Warrior or that Warrior. He was the Ultimate Warrior. Okay. So, kind of effectively. So, like, it's basically a game of telephone with the origin story. Yeah, effectively the same idea, but... Depending on who was the one who physically came up with the ultimate warrior. Yeah, that's that's fair. It's probably, uh, and you know, knowing stories like this, probably a little column A, a little column B, right? Yeah. Probably. Uh, so, but he comes into the WWF in 87, late 88, mm-hmm. early 88. And yeah. uh, he's on this collision course with Hogan. I don't want to say too much about how that goes because that's the arc we're covering case you didn't know yes. is that we are doing yes. the road to wrestlemania 6 warrior versus hogan uh so hmm? is wrestlemania 6 one of the bad ones is that one of the ones that's considered really stupid or is that considered one of the good ones because i know I like around this time i would consider it at middle of the road okay like not because i know I like i know like some of like, the like I know once I we get a few like, WrestleManias in, they start to get kind of infamous, but I don't know when yeah, that hits. From that period of time, infamous WrestleManias include WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 4, WrestleMania oh. 7. Oh, uh, okay, okay. WrestleMania 9. But, you know, okay. WrestleMania 6 is like middle of the road from what I remember, having watched all of okay. it before. That was kind of my... Inter- like, it was fine. It was a fine mania. Okay. Uh <clears throat> So again, that is where we're going leading into WrestleMania not six. He would proceed to stick around with the company until WrestleMania after. Well, the first time he quits the company is that SummerSlam 91, one year, a year and some change after WrestleMania six. 
Uh, oh, no. Basically, he believed that he should be paid Hogan money and, in fact, threatened to not no-show SummerSlam if he was not paid oh, this story. money. And so Vince acquiesced. He went out there and had his match. That was Hogan and Warrior versus the Iraqi Sympathizer crew. Yup. The match made in heaven and the match made in hell. Pro, um, uh, um, uh, yep, 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 yep. And then Ultimate Warrior came backstage from the match and Vince said, you're fucking fine. You're fine. However, the thing is, is Warrior has always been a merch, a merch star, a merch draw. He's always been an entertaining personality, especially to kids. And so he has gotten so... So many opportunities. Hell, <laughs> he makes a return at WrestleMania 8 in 92. Months later, he makes this return. Oh my God. To save Hogan from a beatdown. Holy and shit. And then he bounces again by Summer Survivor Series that same year. <laughs> uh, Admittedly, this was a this was a this was a situation of like the steroids issue was starting to crop oh. up. Oh, we gotta get rid of all these people who are so very including oh fuck, including Hogan. Oh shit. This is when this Hogan is, was getting this pushed is out the Nexus warriors. point. The new, the new generation. Oh fuck. Okay. I didn't. I didn't realize. Fucking warriors stood at such a nexus point. Holy shit! Okay, boom, baby. And then, Fuck. and then, he came back again in in 1996. The WWF is very desperate in '96, as we are in the in the bowels of um the in the Monday Night War of the new generation, and the Monday Night War Whoa. is starting up. And they're like, God, we get Warrior back in here. He's a draw. He's still wasn't good. Warrior with WCW though. Not yet. Oh, 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 oh no! Oh no! Please come back. We will let you do literally anything you want. They funded oh. his stupid ass comic books that he wanted to do you might have heard of this one because there was an issue where the ultimate warrior sodomizes santa claus you might have Wait, heard no, of that i haven't what the fuck yeah that's just but one moment in these insane comic books stupidity comic book run but they mm -mm. funded it because they're like please warrior please come back and then oh, him, he, he famously uh squashed Hunter Hearst Helmsley at WrestleMania 12. Ow. Absolutely. Oof. He took the pedigree and then immediately no-sold it and won. What the? Wait. 80, wait, fuck, 94? 96, 96. 96. Oh, 96, duh. Um, wait, 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 wait. WrestleMania... Six was eighty was ninety then. Nineteen ninety, yes. Oh, okay. I thought WrestleMania six was eighty eight. Okay. Um, no, eighty eight is WrestleMania four. Oh, okay. Um, cool. All right, I'm slightly messed up on the timeline then. Okay, nineteen ninety. So Triple H would 
be with the company by this point. And in 96, yes. And yeah, the Warriors yeah, lost the shit out of him. And he then, because he was an obnoxious ass that they that nobody wanted to work with, he got fired again. <laughs> and <laughs> then and then he pops up in WCW for two months. Uh until That's it? His, until he is an obnoxious ass that nobody wants to work with. But that is a story for another for article. another time. Sure you of that. Oh boy. But two decided, months. Fucking hell. I decided that we can't possibly um just not start with we have to see his most famous WWE storyline. Which was so. This is so. This is effectively all one giant prelude. <laughs> and then motherfucker. Um, WWE buried the fuck out of Warrior for being an obnoxious ass that nobody liked to work with. Uh, in you the, should in the two thousands they made a documentary called "The Self Destruction of the Ultimate Warrior." Bro, the kind of public dragging of which they rarely have ever done. <laughs> that well, okay. Well, they they don't have a person. Let's not pretend watched, like they they're principled about like doing that with people. I have I've watched the, the self destruction DVD. It is literally an hour long DVD of them getting everyone they could get to sit down and say that the Ultimate Warrior couldn't wrestle, was a one trick pony. Was a stupid asshole who, who oh nobody liked. Oh my god! He was a complete and professional flake because he got fired in '96 for no showing a weekend of house shows for no discernment. Oh fucking god! But then in 2014, with the help of Triple H, the bridge had been mended. With the yeah, Ultimate well. Warrior, and he was he was uh, in 2014. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame the night before mm-hmm. WrestleMania 30, and mm-hmm. then famously, the Raw after WrestleMania 30, he comes to the ring and cuts this promo about the legacy of the Warrior and how the war the little Warriors will live on forever. And Tuesday after WrestleMania 30. The ultimate warrior would pass away from heart problems. Oh shit. It has largely kind of been looked at as like it seems like Warrior wanted to maybe make amends before he knew his time was running out. Oh shit. Like it's I don't have the full promo with me, but the WrestleMania, the Rafter Mania promo is ominous as fuck, with an understanding that he died uh, the next night. The next day, what the fuck, dude? Shit like that, like not not to get morbid, but like celebrities who do interviews or whatever, like right before they're passing. It that's a subject that fascinates me because you have something like that. You have fucking uh, uh, um, Orson Welles who did an interview like the day of his death. Um, you have uh, fucking Edgar Bergen who. Dave, who who did a you know show the famous ventriloquist who did a show the 
um, the the day he passed away, he did a show and was like, and it was like, I guess his retirement show, and he, you know, his final words on the stage were like, you know, friends, that's it for me or whatever, and then like he passed away in his sleep. That like, like shit like that is so fucking weird. That must have rocked the entire wrestling community when that happened. Holy fuck! I okay, okay, okay. This is the promo. I found at least some of like the the part of the promo that's like what the fuck it's like you knew you were going to die okay yeah this is the raw after mania no wwe talent becomes a legend on their own every man's heart one day beats its final beat his lungs breathe their final breath and if what that man did in his life makes the blood pulse through the body of others it makes them bleed deeper and something larger than life, than his essence, his spirit, will be immortalized. Holy shit. I mean, of all the last words to go out on, like, A+, plus, but also, what the fuck? This is, honestly, it was a little weird, because it's like, why did Warrior come out and cut this promo? But as a promo, very on brand for the Warrior. Oh, yeah. He's always saying Absol- shit absolutely. like that. Uh, well, okay, to be fair, then, if he's always being like, you know, one day, one day I'm gonna die, like, you know, at what point can you call it really a coincidence, you know, at that point it's just a statistical he probability. Always, he doesn't always talk about dying, but he does always talk about insane shit, like, the, the, the blood, the essence of your blood, your spirit will make, will come I do appreciate what he's going for there. I do appreciate what he's going for there. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so this arc is kind of now that we've gone through kind of the career trajectory of the ultimate warrior, uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, in those years in between his WCW stint and his WWE stint, he got really into being a right-wing public speaker. Oh, um, well, yes. Fantastic business. But yeah, we've, talked about, we've, talked, we've talked about that before. Yeah. And listen, I can Listen, we we are Kane fans on this podcast, so we're already pretty well, good at separating out. I, I'm a fan of Kane, the character. I would yes, say. on a broad level, it does for me cut off at some point when the mask is taken off. It cuts off a little the bit mask, during yeah. Katie Vick. It cuts off a little bit, but like on a broad level, we are Kane appreciators. So, you know, I think I can appreciate the warrior for what he is as a wrestling character. Yes, yes. Good and bad, I'm sure we will see plenty of here. Oh, I have no doubt. I somehow get the inkling. But, okay, so the this arc starts at the Royal Rumble, and what a lengthy prelude to say that tonight we will be watching the Royal Rumble from 1990. Oh. And so that there was a five match card. We will be watching three of those matches as we once again are doing a two hour supercut of the Rumble. So I love how you call them supercuts. Like that's that's Fed branding, but you're like, nah, fuck you. This is mine now. Supercut. Absolutely. I like, like how it sounds. It, it's got a nice ring to it. I I gotta deny you that. Absolutely not. Yes, so let's cover the matches that will be on this pay-per-view and which ones we will and won't be watching. Uh, The first match of the show we will be watching, and in fact, I spent a long time debating whether to use this one or something else on the show, is we'll be watching 
the fabulous Rougeos, Jacques and Raymond, take on the Bushwhackers. I felt oh, like we did not tr- after the fucking smack 'em whack 'em. We had to watch a Bushwhackers match. I think we, I, I think we legitimately have to. I want to know these these hardcore legends what they look like in a WWF ring. Yeah. So all basically, none of the story, none of the matches on this show have particularly strong stories that were presented. I watched the entirety of the January WWF television. I oh no found a VHS rip of these episodes of primetime and WWF superstars because let's be obviously the week to week TV is not on Peacock in 19. Oh my god. Oh my god. So this arc we are gonna be dealing with, with some questionable audio VHS rips on some of these episodes. Friends, as always, give it up to the absolute fucking king of this podcast. The dedication knows no bounds. All hail. We are not I'm worthy. Not, I'm not going to say where I found that because, you know, I don't want to get any sort of attention to a small-time uh, YouTube channel that might be, you know, post posting a lot of copyrighted shit they don't own. Well, yes. But anyway, you know. I've, I've watched the rips. And God, yes. they didn't build any of these store any of these matches in a storyline. Um, no. So I'll I'll be honest with you. The first two matches on this card have backstory apparently, but it's the only backstory I knew about it was reading the Wikipedia page for the Royal Rumble 1990. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Uh, the Bushwhackers made their WWF debut in Madison Square Garden on December 30th, 1988, defeating the Bolsheviks. That was Nikolai Volkov and Boris Zukov. Um, oh, shit. Okay. They got involved in a feud with the Bolsheviks, which was to be settled at WrestleMania 5. Bolsheviks missed the event, however, so they were replaced by the fabulous Rougeos, whom the Bushwhackers beat. Bushwhackers and Rougeos continued to feud with each other for the rest of the year, culminating in a tag team match at Royal Rumble 1990. All right. Okay. We will be watching that match. Uh, The next match on the show, and we will be watching that as well, uh, Brutus Beefcake, Brutus the Barber Beefcake versus the genius Lanny Poffo. Cool. uh, Lanny Poffo has popped both those guys popped up on our last time we were in an arc in this era. Uh, yes. Brutus, you have to watch Brutus Beefcake's transfer transformation into being the barber when at WrestleMania yes. 3 he cut the hair of uh Adrian Adonis, I believe. Uh, yes, and who's a now- who's a gardener, <laughs> yeah. And so now his gimmick is that he cuts people's hair, but he also carries around gardening shears as if that is what he's going to use to cut the hair. Okay. And sure. uh, Lanny Poffo uh, was leaping Lanny Poffo where he had a match against that one dude who was a red jobber in a mat and a red mask that was like 15 minutes long and what I called the worst match ever seen on this podcast. And quite frankly, I still hold to that. 
Uh, fuck, I can't remember. Did I also hate that match, or was I less mean to it? No, I can't remember, but I, I remember that match. I also hated it. Okay, I, re I remember it. I don't know, I don't remember why I hated it, but I remember that image of this, of him against this random-ass, like, red mask dude. But now he has turned heel and gone his gimmick that he is most famous. He is the genius, where he, like, dresses like a high school graduate, and he like set right speaks all his promos in limericks about how smart he is. Wait, that's a he I thought that was a face gimmick for him. I thought Lanny Poffo was like pretty consistently face throughout his career. No, he is pretty consistently heel of anything. This is his no. most famous gimmick as the genius. What? Oh shit! Yeah, because I remember being like the genius, or like him playing up that he's some kind of like savant. But I thought people liked him for it. Oh, well, well fuck. Okay. He, Man, I'm so fucked up on this. Is, well, now he is a smart guy who looks down on the idiots. So there Also, I find it funny that, like, he you're saying he dresses like a high school graduate when his fucking brother uses the high school graduation dun, song dun, dun, as, dun, his, uh, as, yes. his, uh, as his entrance music. Yeah, I never thought of that connection before now. Well, because I don't know if anyone ever, anyone else, like, has really said he looked like a high school graduate. But, like, you know, it, it variations on a theme, you know? Yeah. And he is, he is team, he is right now aligned with Mr. Perfect, who is kind of in his, oh, his yes. peak in the WWF in terms of visibility and being a top guy. Uh, but more about Perfect in a bit as we get to the Rumble match and uh, his, this, the, this, feud between brutus beefcake and the genius has in fact not existed at all as instead beefcake has been feuding with the rick the model martell the whole time oh, that dude so why is he fighting beefcake here why is he fighting poffo here that's a good question that i don't have an answer to okay did outstanding i don't you love uh, to see it Great genius, high high level ideas here in nineteen ninety. Absolutely, uh, no one books like Vince, man. Now the first match of the show that we will not be watching is Ronnie Garvin versus Greg Valentine in a special submission match. Hmm. Okay, that sounds interesting enough. They are really playing up that a submission match is a unique and interesting. Uh, gimmick idea oh it's special because it's a submission match it's not a special submission match no, i no. got it okay so the feud between these two uh a bunch of stuff that was not at all brought up on television uh greg valentine and ronnie garvin i don't even have a good way to explain ronnie garvin he just looks like a dude <laughs> Okay. Like you know, Greg Valentine, he he takes fifteen minutes to get warmed up. He looks. I like always forget he that's him, like but yes, yes, he's got he's got to get those fifteen minutes, man. It's important. I'm pretty sure he's currently tag teaming around with the Honky Tonk Man as part of the of the uh, the Heartbreakers or whatever they call. Oh them. yeah, okay, yep. Uh, anyway, Greg Valentine and Ronnie Garvin had been feuding since a match in December on December 30th, 1988, which Valentine won by grabbing the tights for leverage on April 22nd. Uh, 
On the April 22nd, 1989 episode of Superstars, Ga uh, Garvin defeated Valentine in a match. On the following edition of Superstars, they both face each other in a retirement match where the loser could not wrestle anymore in the WWF. Valentine won the match, sending Garvin into retirement. In retirement, Garvin took up other positions in the WWF. First, he became a referee, but he was suspended after disqualifying Valentine in a match against Jimmy Snuka, and later a ring announcer at SummerSlam 89, a position he used to berate and belittle his erstwhile rival. That is Wikipedia's words. Uh, Valentine was so irate that he demanded Garvin to be reinstated as a professional wrestler and his request was accepted at Survivor Series they both battled in a match on opposing teams and now they're having this submission match it's the battle between the figure four leg lock Valentine's move and mm. the hammer jammer which is Ronnie oh. Garvin's which oh, is oh that sounds great Hammer Jammer, I won, he had a squash match on Superstars, actually, so I know what that is. The Hammer Ooh. Jammer is the sharpshooter. I'm sorry, what? It's the sharpshooter. And in, 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 there's an alternate reality where we don't know that move as the sharpshooter. We know that move as the Hammer Jammer. Oh, yes. My favorite. The Montreal Screwjob committed against who else but... Ronnie Garvin. Garvin. Ronnie Garvin. The 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 rightful champion over the, the rightful champion over, you know, who else? Um fuck. No, no, I'm blanking on his name. Shit, shit, shit. Um uh fuck. Uh, uh, no! I would help you. No, I don't know where was, joke is going. It's gonna be such a funny bit. It was gonna be such a funny bit. Give me a second. Give me a second. Uh, no, it's dead. The other, the other rocker. Marty Marty Fuck! <laughs> I forgot his name. Yes, infamous Montreal screwjob between between Garvin and Janetti, of course. Yeah. So. As fun as this special submission match will be, I'm sure, we are not watching it. Because fuck That man. sounds... Yeah, that sounds dumb. Okay, then a, this is what I debated doing instead of uh, showing doing the Bushwhackers match. Is okay. we're going to have a special edition of the Brother Love Show. Brother Love. It's Bruce Pritchard not... dressed up in red paint and pretending to be a Baptist preacher. What? What is the connection between dressed in red paint and Baptist preacher? He's, he's trying to imitate, like, they get sweaty and hot up there, given their Oh, sermons. so he's just like, I'm just going to paint myself red. Naturally, yeah. Bruce. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, oh, God. He, is, he is a heel and he's obnoxious. He hosts the talk show, the Brother Love Show. And Shocker. he is going to host a, a face off between Queen Sherry, the manager of the Macho King, Randy Savage. Yes, Sherry Martel, baby. And Sapphire, the manager of Dusty Rhodes, as. The common man, the American dream, is now in the WWF, 
and he's got his oh, his brown sugar with him, Daddy. His sweet sapphire. Okay, do we know sapphire for anything else, or is this like literally her only thing of note? This actually is kind of her only thing of note. She basically that's unfortunate. You came. She was came into the into the Federation as a both <coughs> both a kayfabe and a shoot fan of Dusty Rhodes who they put with Dusty to kind of be like the common woman to his common man. And of course, Dusty has to, Dusty has to be like, and by the way, she's black. <laughs> Wait, that explains a lot about Cody. Oh no. <laughs> he oh, no. saw, he saw. Oh no. In 1990, the- Dusty he- was trying to solve racism and Cody had to be the one. Who, who needs job. who needs Cody Rhodes to win the fucking Uwu championship to complete the story? He already completed the story by finishing what his dad started by ending races. You're damn right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So <laughs> that, so it's kind of so like. Basically, Sherry doesn't like that this rando nobody is just in the Fed now, and okay. she's got a problem with Sapphire existing, and so this is b- leading to tensions between Dusty and Macho King. And you know, so, we love us a good proxy war in wrestling. <laughs> yeah, so like this is building to a pretty big match at WrestleMania Six, one that we probably will watch. So I thought about it. But I okay. just didn't want to do. I I didn't want us to only do two out of five matches on rest. At the yeah, Royal well, because like because like Dream Dream is the other like legend that has eluded me entirely thus far. I have not seen a single yeah, Dusty I'm- Rhodes thing aside from like you know his post retirement shit of him like when he had both Cody and Dustin in in the Fed and you know he did a couple things with them. Yeah, I don't know if this is the best first impression of Dusty Rhodes. This is this is the infamous. Well, no, of course not. It's him in the Fed. They put me in polka dots. Yeah, you know, uh, Dusty Rhodes. I mean, I I know I know Dusty at the very least. Like, you know, he lemons out of lemonade at that shit. I I he remember did. seeing this this interview that fucking goddamn Tyrus did, um, where he was talking about like the Funkasaurus thing, and he was I guess he like was friends with Dusty or something, or like he at least had some kind of like backstage acquaintanceship with Dusty. So he was like talking to, or maybe Dusty even trained. I don't fucking know, but uh, he was talking to Dusty about it, and he was like bitching about it and how stupid like the Funkasaurus, um. The Funkasaurus uh, uh, persona was, and Dusty's like, "Well, let me tell you something. You know when I when I came to the Fed, they they put me in polka dots, uh, and 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 those polka dots were pretty stupid. But you know what I did? I, I made I made I made I made it work, man. I made I made those polka dots work, and the polka dots ended up being fucking cool, didn't they? And Tyrus was like, "Yeah, you made the polka dots cool." He's like, "You goddamn right, I made the polka dots cool, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Dusty absolutely does his best to try to elevate this material here. But yes. they put him in polka dots to make fun of him because yes, was didn't like Dusty. As a matter of fact, uh, Virgil, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but I feel like you have. Virgil being named that was a dig at Dusty because Dusty's real name is Virgil. So oh, they shit. made the manservant of the character who is 
more or less a Vince McMahon stand in, even if one, even if one that is being played as a heel, they made, they yeah, made well, after Dusty. Oh my God. That's so stupid. Hey, that's so petty. WCW would return the favor because when Virgil signed with WCW, they changed his name to Vincent. So they would, no they would way. right on back. Oh my god, that's such a that's such a deep cut level of petty though. Like who the fuck is gonna get that at some point? Aside from the smarkiest of smarks who like the are boys, subscribed boys, to the, the physical version the, of the newsletter. The boys in the back get the joke though. So no. <laughs> that's all that matters, man. As yeah. long as we get our takes in. Yep. Anyway, god damn. So, there, there will almost certainly be building to that confrontation at WrestleMania 6, but we will not be watching it for this podcast. Now, okay. next match that we're also not going to watch. Jim Duggan versus the Big Boss Man. Okay. Duggan is still Duggan. Don't you worry about that. The Boss okay. Man is interesting, though, because this is the original yes. incarnation of the Big Boss Man who was still a prison correctional facility, like a correctional officer, but yeah. a heel. He is with Reverend yes. He is a heel. He doesn't even have his theme song yet. He doesn't have the way to take trip down to Cobb County, Georgia. All that. He is a heel. That time when Vince said a cab. Yeah, he is. He walks around as a correctional officer, beats people with a nightstick, and that is like, you're a bad person for that. As opposed yes. to when he is a baby face, when he runs around and beats people with a nightstick. <laughs> with a nightstick. And everyone's like, <laughs> Not only that, and this is something I didn't even know until I actually watched this matches. He not only carries the nightstick with him, he carries a literal ball and chain. And after his opponent, after he beats his opponent, or he did this to a jobber, he tied the ball and chain around the jobber and then dropped like that. It's like a, the heavy metal ball. He dropped it on the jobber's chest after the I don't match. think I've ever actually seen a physical ball and chain. I think I've only ever seen a ball and chain in cartoons. What yeah. the fuck? He, he has an actual ball and chain that he carries around. Was that a was that an actual like American policing measure in the ninth in 1990? I'm sure it was a an actual me prison measure before. Let me let me well, like, yeah, but like in 1990? Well, now I'm kind of curious. The history of the ball and chain. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to be able to. Um, uh, it was apparently used as late as the mid-20th century. Was is how far the physical restraint. Mid-20th. Okay. So so it's it's more just shorthand, but also, God, that's so goddamn goofy. known cultural, uh, you know thing it just feels so archaic to put on someone dressed up like a modern cop like big boss but okay whatever but yeah so he is apparent he is uh in again one of the most like i can't believe vince did this a cab i guess is you got know. big boss man going around being like i'm gonna beat you senseless jim duggan that's the american way i'm something, like what? something broken clock what Again, as opposed to a face when he says, I'm going to beat your ass, insert heel here, because that's the American way. 
I'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American it's the, um, Oh, man. Man, big boss man in post-9-11 world. That's uh, Anyway. It's probably for the better that big boss man died before he had a chance to yeah. really do post-9-11. That's a hell of a sentence. But also, yes. Anyway. Culturally. So they're going to have that match. And now for the Royal Rumble match. Uh, interesting thing is that, like, there are no surprise entrants. Actually, you know what? That's not the first yes. thing I will mention. Is I'll mention is that in this period in the Royal Rumble, the Royal Rumble means nothing. It's just a match. You know, you can say point you no signs, boy. We're not pointing at the signs. We're not getting a title match. It's just like you won a ma- a, a difficult battle royal match on a pe- the main event at a pay per view. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, so the previous two, this is only the third Royal Rumble. The very first Royal Rumble winner in a 20 man rumble was won by Jim Duggan. And then in 1989, the first 30 man rumble was won by big John stud. So, uh, I don't know who that is, but neat. Uh, have we really not seen, I guess, I guess. By 80, I guess by, you know, I guess he was pretty phased out. His peak was not 88. So I guess I can see how we might not have, we might have missed Big John Stud. Um, They basically, 89 was basically like a, here's a, here's a like prize for loyal, for being a loyal, a loyal employee. It's like a career Ah. award. It's like your employee of the year, your employee of the year award is the, is a Royal Rumble win. Yeah, so, but again, okay, the other thing I was mentioning is that there are no surprise entrants in the Royal Rumble. They've been pretty upfront for a couple weeks, all 30 men who are in the Rumble. And it's just been a, a question of like, everyone's been talking up like, what number are we, who's going to get? What's going to happen if these two tag, if these teams, because remember a lot of these guys in this era, like in this era, you had a bunch of heel managers who build up factions and teams. So there's a lot of questions of like, what are you going to do in the rumble if you got to fight your own man that is a really interesting way of like going about it though because like as much as i love the current sensibility of the rumble where it's chock full of surprises and it's kind of like this big fun pop fest a really technical rumble with with like factional story implications is fascinating like heenan's got like four people in this rumble and and gorilla monsoon has been perfectly pleased to be like so what what's gonna happen if it's if it comes down to like rick rude andre and haku what what's it what's gonna happen and he and his dodge the question he's he's like not he's he refuses to acknowledge the question that's so lame though because like that could be compelling if it weren't 1990 and and the whole shtick between Gorilla and Heenan is that they are they just goof off the entire time. They fucking Statler and Waldorf posted each other. So I'm going to list off all 30 members of the Royal Rumble and if I'll mention their character, if it's somebody we haven't really seen before, and what okay. stories, if any, they have kind of going into it. As there are a few of these guys... Not necessarily like deep stories, but they've established like in the Rumble, I am targeting you in particular. Okay, that's fair. They they have they have they're going in with like a goal to take out a guy, a uh, one guy or another. <laughs> Personal grudges, powers a lot, you know. Yeah. So, 
I decided to do this in alphabetical order. And maybe okay. that was my mistake. <laughs> As I mean, thus start with Akeem the African Dream. Oh, no. Oh, so, no. Okay. Oh, I'll be honest. All right. So, Akeem was once the one man gang, a big. A big burly dude who is his thing is I'm a gang guy, and oh my god, uh, I need to emphasize this to you: the one man gang is very, very white, with no actual African heritage at all. And so he hooks up with Reverend Slick, and Slick has an entire ceremony where he where he like has. The one-man gang summon the spirits of his African heritage, and he starts dressing in kuta cloth and doing stupid hand motions, and he becomes Akeem the African Dream. <laughs> Wait, that's so much worse than what I was imagining! Oh my god, I thought we were just doing boilerplate racism. No. We were going Super Saiyan everything but blackface racist. Oh. On some level, it's almost so stupid, I can't even be offended by it. Oh, yeah, well. What am I looking at? Oh. <laughs> fucking Reverend Slick imbued him with the power of urban gangsta flavor. <laughs> Gave him the N-word pass, I guess, and bada bing, bada boom. Now he's the African dream. No telling you. Yeah. <laughs> fucking hell! Oh, that's so awful. Oh, that's so horrendous. Oh no. Alphabetically, that's what I have to start with. He's talking about Akeem. <laughs> oh, God. Holy shit. Okay, proceed. All right. Next up, Andre the Giant. And I will just go ahead and, and wrap this up with Haku. Because right now, they are not just the tag team as the colossal connection. They are the tag team champions. Under the tutelage of Bobby the Brain Heenan, Yes. They have beaten Demolition to become the tag team champions. I never knew Andre held a tag belt. That's actually really sick. Yeah, so, like, Andre is still Andre. What he saw of him in WrestleMania 3, same character. And Haku yeah. is Haku. He is a Samoan who could legitimately kill you. So Yes. I feel like we've seen Haku pop up once or twice on the show. He did. On the okay. on, he fought Hogan on the Real American tape as the king. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. This is post King Haku, I think. Yeah, this is post King Haku. Probably because, Duggan, because, Jim, because Jim Duggan beat him for the crown, and then Macho beat him for the crown. So Based. anyway, then uh, they beat Axe and Smash of Demolition. Uh, two dudes in face paint and bondage gear, uh, and they like smashing stuff. Uh, they oh, I bet be they like smashing. They used to be heels with Mr. Fuji, but now they are baby faces with no manager. Okay. 
okay, good, good for them, I guess. You know, positive character growth. All right, now bad news, Brown. Uh, he is basically like a street fighter dude. He is a man from the streets who can kick, who is violent and will kick your ass. I guess. I don't know. Sounds like some bad news. He Brown. Is, he, he is black. So it feels a little more race feels a little weirdly more racially coded in this character than normal. Oh gosh. Uh yes, Mr. Brown. Yes. Anyway, uh Bret Hart and Jim Neidhart are both in the rumble as as, as the Hart Foundation. Hart Foundation. Yeah. Then we get Dino Bravo. Uh Dino Bravo is basically a legitimate Canadian strongman, and that is also his gimmick. Uh, right now he is, he is with Jimmy Hart. He's hanging out. Jimmy He is in Jimmy Hart, the Colonel Jimmy Hart. He is in the Colonel's collection of dudes. Colonel. Why does yeah. Jimmy Hart have a military rank? Uh, cause that's, that's his, that's what he's called. I don't know. I don't know if it's legit or not, but he's called the Colonel Jimmy Hart. Um, but he is aggressively French Canadian and, yeah. uh, he is in a beef with the warrior over the intercontinental title. And who is the strongest strong boy? I see. Okay. Damn. What the fuck is it with, with Vince and like hating on Canadian slash French people? I mean, there's in, in wrestling, we talk about all these like negative, you know, these negative foreigner stereotypes and all that, but no, yeah, but like, no, no, no ethnicity is truly more dangerous and reviled than the French Canadians. God damn. I mean, like, I I get it. Like, you know, those those snooty bastards, they they look at you and they say, ha ha, and like, you know, it gets under your skin. But also, like, you know, Vince, maybe chill out a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. All right, then we have the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Is oh, in Dusty's in! He is, you know, he is, he is, none of the people who have matches before the Rumble are in the Rumble. But um, but there are plenty. But he, but, but you know, he is beefing with Macho, and that'll take place in the Rumble. Wait, Dusty versus Macho? Dusty versus the Macho King Randy Savage will happen. Okay, that's actually a really that's actually a really sick matchup. That's not something I anticipated. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. So then we got Haku, uh, Hercules. You remember him? He was the big strong guy with the chains, and he did the. He did the did the 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 hurt the lock. He did the he did the full Nelson. He had a whole I feud about doing the I frankly do not. Nelson. Oh, I vaguely remember a full Nelson based feud, but uh, but I don't know much. I don't remember much about it. If I'm being perfectly honest, probably because it was dumb and forgettable. Awkward. Uh, Hulk Hogan, you know the WWF champion brother is gonna he's gonna get in the Rumble, dude. He's gonna take out. Oh all my god. Others. He's going to take out all 29 other dudes, brother. I'm sure he will. That's such uh, a weird thing to have the champion in the Rumble. God, that's such a weird timeline. It does feel weird knowing, like, the, you know, we're no longer, you know, the, the Rumble is not for a title match. So, you know, why not have the WWF champion in the match? Gosh, God, it's such a weird thing. Okay, yeah, anyway. Jake the Snake Roberts who is currently beefing with the Million Dollar Man. Okay, what's that beef over? I don't really, I can't really piece that together. But I will say okay. this, is that the Million Dollar Man 
is that Jake Roberts stole the million dollar title and stuffed it in Damien's bag. <laughs> so for a second, I man, for a hot second, I thought you were about to say in Damien's mouth, and I was like, how? I mean, the snake okay. might have tried to bite it when he threw it in the bag. That's fair. He probably did. The thing probably got a little bit of venom on it, you know, for sure. He doesn't even wipe it off. He's like, ha fuck you. I stole your belt. You can have it. You can get it back. You just got to get in the bag. You just got to get out of my bag. Okay. That's, yeah, that's, that's, thank you, Jake. Thank you for that. All right. And then Jim Neidhart, uh, Jimmy Superfly Snooka. Um, okay. he, he's one of those, he, I mean, I, you know, are like, how much, how much do I want to talk about murderers on this podcast? Uh, not policy, much. the Benoit policy means there's only ah. so much I'm willing to say about Jimmy Snuka. He is here. He's a dude. He is Fiji and he likes to jump off the top rope. Woohoo. Okay. Okay. Co- Coco beware. He is the bird oh. man. Yeah, I always, man, fucking Pokemon has ruined my brain. I always imagined him as a bear man, and then it's like, no, he's actually a bird. And I'm like, what? Coco, beware, he brings his parrot to the ring and everything. Yes, yes. Marty Jannetty is in, as the Rockers are both in the Royal Rumble. Okay. They are are having a beef with power and pain. I'll talk more about them in a minute. Gotcha. Uh, Mr. Perfect, he has been a big star because right now he is beefing with Hulk Hogan. He is gunning for the, for that WWF title. And oh, so, no. And so he is like, I'm coming for you, Hogan, because I am... Is my man about to be transitioned out of the, the biggest feud of his entire career? Yes. I can already tell you. Oof. Yeah, he's... Oof, he's owie, owie. He is not coming out of this with a major WWF title match or even or win. Or win. Ouch. Uh, Then the Macho King, Randy Savage, after dumping Elizabeth to the curb, uh, he hooked up with Sensational Sherry and then he beat Jim Duggan to become the king. And so now he's the Macho King with his queen. Mm Mm-hmm. Ah, ah, yes. That's how you know he's he's being a pompous dick. He carries a scepter. Damn, that is how you know he's a heel. What fucking, what fucking nice normal person carries a scepter? None of them. Anti scepter action. That's what I'm saying. And then Rick the Model Martel. Yes, yes. He is. He is a French model. Yes, uh, I, 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 and and that's that's all we got. That's all his gimmick. And then ravishing Rick Rude. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yeah, he he has a porn star stash, and his whole gimmick is being like, "I'm super hot. The ladies dig me. You're all fat losers." Uh, somewhere a young Val Venus was inspired. Somewhere a young Scott Steiner was inspired. Oh well, that too. That too. You know, he's talking to all his freaks out there. You know, he is, and he is in a beef with Roddy Piper right now. Again, over nebulous reasons, but they did a whole bit. Where um, Rick Rude picked out a woman from the crowd, I, I can only assume was a plant, and like made out with her in the middle of the ring. And before that happened, Bobby Heenan interviewed her and was like, "You wouldn't, you wouldn't kiss a man who wears a skirt, would you?" And then he pulls the microwave before she can even answer that. He's like, "Yeah, I thought so." Have at it, Rick. 
Okay. Thank you, Bobby, for that. Yeah, and then so Roddy Piper and Rick Rude, they are both in the Rumble. They are having issues. Nice. Now, Shawn Michaels, he is, as I mentioned earlier, smashes in Ted DiBiase. Now, he might have the most story related to the Rumble of anyone here because they have made a big whole dealy deal about how last year there were accusations that Ted DiBiase bribed people backstage so he could get the number 30 slot. Ted DiBiase, how dare they insinuate that Ted DiBiase is anywhere remotely unethical with his money? <sighs> Fucking dare you. Yeah, DiBiase is very offended by that accusation, but they have been they have kept emphasizing on TV that the security measures this year are tighter than ever to make sure oh, yeah. that, that Ted DiBiase could not pay off somebody to give him the number 30. I'm sure that'll go just fine. All right, then the barbarian. Uh okay. As a, he is uh he is in a tag team with uh, a guy we had a great time with before with he is in a tag team with the warlord. Why Remember why do I warlord versus Jim Neidhart in the world tour tape? Oh oh shit. Okay, fuck. Face paint. Yes, yes, is yes. Oh shit, that guy. Yeah, they're a tag team, the powers of pain with Mr. Fuji, who has apparently oh. made a I can make a new demolition whenever I want. Here, the barbarian and the warlord. I mean, look, man, Fuji's a prolific ass manager, all right? He he's gotta keep fucking that, that that man is nothing without his clients, and he knows how to get goddamn clients. So, you know, God, God Godspeed, buddy. Yeah. Uh, then in what is the weirdest thing is we have the Canadian earthquake that is earthquake, but he was, came yeah. to the WWF emphasizing how he was Canadian. He's got a Canadian flag on he, the front of his. He of did. His, yes. He came in as the Canadian earthquake. They were same gimmick, but he's, they're just like, he is Canadian. We want you to know that. He is palling around with Jimmy Hart and Dino Bravo, and they're all like, see how Canadian we are. Vince is, Vince is back there fucking writing up scripts on his typewriter and just cackling at how he's getting revenge on that. I don't know, that one Canadian chick that dumped him 10 years ago. I don't fucking know. The, 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 that man's psyche is a fascinating thing. And then the honky-tonk man, he's a honky-tonk man, he's a honky-tonk man, he's cool, he's cocky, he's bad. He's here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Got, Do you love uh, some honky? The Red Rooster. Um, Terry Taylor. Uh, his gimmick is he wears that little, he wears a little red thing on the top of his head. Kind of like, you know, like a rooster. Yeah. Yeah. And he, and he clucks like a chicken. That's the Whoa. gimmick. Is that his only form of communication? No, he talks like a normal person, but he also just cluck. Just clucks and shit every once in a while you know i've seen weirder things get over sure whatever makes you happy then we have the ultimate warrior speak Here. to me my warriors 
he is he is he is specifically like Dino Bravo. I am gonna throw you out. Eh, eh, eh. You're Good. I I I am targeting you, pal. And then the warlord and then beefy Tito, boy. And then Tito Santana, the final member of the Royal Rumble. Uh, this is before <laughs> they would give him the extremely dignified gimmick of being a matador. So now he is just a dude. He is Mexican and he is a dude. Why is there more than one instance of a wrestling matador in the in the uh in the fucking Fed, Austin? Because it's a super easy stereo Hispanic stereotype to play into. That's uh, of course, carry on, proceed. Yeah. So that is the 30-man Royal Rumble match. We've kind of Ooh. touched base on all the different all the different people in it and who who's kind of beefing with who and how that could play out within the match. We're, we do, we're doing expert analysis just like they're doing on the show. Hey, there it is. We don't know any of the numbers drawn yet. I think it's implied that they do that the night of. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's it's been a big topic of discussion. Like, what number are you going to be? Uh, you know, they've they've also talked about on TV, like Jesse Ventura was like, you know, it's nice that like he was talking about Dino Bravo going after the warrior. He's like, I mean, that's a nice goal, but you I mean, it's a luck of the draw. The warrior might be eliminated before Dino ever gets out there. Uh, yes, a thing that a thing that is totally likely to happen because, you know, everything's it's all random, brother. Yes, but I appreciate them at least talking about the idea of like yeah. these guys being so single-minded, but they're like, you know, you, there's no guarantee you're even going to get your shot at it. You should, you know. That is really interesting. I would love to see them like explore that kind of story in a rumble, actually, where like yeah. as part of a broader storyline, like some dudes like single-mindedly targeting someone else in a rumble and like, you know, one of them gets eliminated before the other can even even fucking like interact with them. That would be I, so funny. I feel like I don't know if that's happened or not. I've not watched all the Royal Rumbles like I have all wrestling. That's fair. So that I feel like they've surely done something like that before. Um, probably, but probably for nothing more than like a joke. And I'd love to see it as part of an actual like arc, you know, I don't know. Sure. Sure. So yeah, they're, they're trying to kind of play this up seriously. Talk about like the, the, you know, the, the kayfabe analysis is working strong for the, mm -hmm. in the in 1990. So I appreciate it. It's, it's kind of nice to see them kind of treat this like a, try to treat this like a real sports analyst. Yeah, like I said, I do really appreciate the implications of a non-random rumble. Like, again, as much as I have my current sensibilities of how the rumble should run, I do I do like and this alternative take that's a lot more kind of like technical and considered. It feels it feels like a smart way to go about it and I think you could get a lot out of it. Mm -hmm. So that is our setup for it. If you would like to watch along with us, you can do so on Peacock, WWE's uh, NBC Universal's streaming service, WWE's uh, streaming per, per partner, I guess. It's where they sold yeah. all their rights to for a yes. billion dollars. Uh, so, yeah, all the Royal Rumbles are on there. All the Rumble, you can watch Royal Rumble 1990, and we'll be back in the back half to discuss the third ever Royal Rumble match. Oh, exciting stuff.
Mm-hmm. And we are back. We have finished the Royal Rumble 1990. And well, I liked the Rumble. Why? I started to like the Rumble. We. It was not what I expected, is what I will say. There was a I, point where I stopped, where I was like, okay, I know where this is going. Let's just wrap up. All right. I thought I I had a I had a weird I had a weird time with this one, Austin. I I have to say, um, I I think a weird time slightly slightly in a slightly different way than you did. I was also just like watching it yesterday, and I was just like really fucking like tired. I've I'm I'm I've had a long week last week, and I'm gearing up for another long week this week. And I was just kind of like I felt myself be like I felt the tiredness that I was watching. I'm like. Oh uh, God! This is probably influencing me, but also I feel like I feel like a stronger show might have been able to pull me out of this a little bit more. Because yeah. I did have my moments where I activated, and then and then, well, yep. So yeah, <laughs> I watched the whole of this show. And that sounds not that good. Didn't really help. It added one more match that I was like, "Oh, this isn't shit," but you know. Didn't overall help my opinion of the of this of the Royal Rumble 1990. Yeah, I can imagine. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they quite perfected the formula yet. I have to say. Um, but yes, we open the show and holy shit, that's a lot of people. It's time to rumble. It's time for the Royal Rumble. It cracks me the hell up that like. 1990 WWF couldn't get fucking Michael Buffer to to for the Royal Rumble, but WCW could get him for things that weren't the Royal Rumble. Yeah, because WCW had unlimited Ted Turner books. So whatever. This is fair. This is fair. This is fair. But yeah, Vince McMahon does the intro here, and he lists literally all thirty people in the room. Every single one. It's like uh, it's so wild, just how different it is. Like, here's a reminder of every single person that's going to be in this show tonight. Man, mm-hmm. man, remember the good old days when there wrestling will be shows. No got surprises. Free book. Everyone is here. Uh, well, there were still some surprises for me, but you know, not not in that sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we 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 cut we we cut the commentary, uh, which is Jesse Ventura and uh, some some fucking sixteen year old who claims to be Tony Schiavone. Tony Schiavone, what are you doing here? He is so small, Austin. Why is he so he is, fucking small? He is little baby Tony Schiavone and his tiny Tony short wwf run in fact this is the last show he will ever commentate for the WWE. how long was he with them for it can't have been more than like six months to a year jesus christ and then he never came back ever again he went straight to wcw he stayed there till that ended then he did a, a one show in tna and then he quit wrestling for 16 years and then he came back and then he came back for aew well, then he did XWF, and then he quit again. Then he came back for AEW. Well, my XWF man, my man said, TNA. "I will literally work." What XWF was before TNA? So oh well, shit. Yeah, but my man literally said, "I will work for any other company that is not the Fed." Yeah, I'm out. Um, uh, and and Jesse Ventura, in the meanwhile, is over here looking like a goddamn Disney simp because we're in Orlando. Yep, we got this fantastic Jesse Ventura line. Not even Mickey Mouse and Goofy could get in here. And I caught them trying to sneak in the back door. 
Oh my god, that was when I when I heard that line, I was uh, I was watching actually with Kyle and Robbie yesterday, and we all looked at each other. And we were like, "Oh god." Jesse Ventura even got a pair of Mickey Mouse ears for Tony, who distinctly doesn't wear them. No, not Mickey Mouse ears. He's got him a fucking goofy hat. Oh, I thought they were the mouse ear. I thought they were the no, mouse ear. no, 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 because it's got like the long fucking goofy broom. No, that was a that was a goofy hat, my man. Um, and Shivani's like, uh, n- no, no, I'm uh, not clearly, Killy establishing who is the face and heel commentator here, based, yeah, based, uh, t- based, tiny Tony saying so, yeah, no to just, the mouse, just, just even sure looking like a Disney adult as we, yeah. <laughs> as we move to the first match of the show. The fabulous Rougeos versus the Bushwhackers. It was at this point that I really came to understand the nuance to the heel heat that fabulous Rougeos were working up to. Not only are they dirty, filthy, degenerate French Canadians. Oh, no. They're dirty, filthy, degenerate French Canadians who pretend that they're American because we All here, American, boy! Because we here in the World Wrestling Federation have a staunch stance against pretending to be a nationality that you're not. Apparently, they are trying to ingratiate themselves into America as the model minority immigrants. They have moved from Quebec to Memphis. It's even in their song. Even in their song, All American Boys. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I I love, though, that that's what they build heat off of, is them, like, trying to be Americans. They're dirty and, uh, immigrants from, I know. from Canada. I know, those goddamn hopping across the border French Canadians. They're taking our germs. They're taking our germs, eh? It's fucking hell. Um, also, uh, and then and then bushwhackers, bushwhackers come out, and literally my note is just fucking bushwhackers, man. The whole crowd's going crazy for the fucking bushwhackers. Uh, absolutely, bushwhackers get a pretty huge pop. Um, and uh, match begins, and I didn't. I it was this one. It all kind of melted together for me. Um, I have to say. Yeah. So the Bushwhackers and WWF are more shtick than wrestler. Yeah. Again, what, like fifth people ever to get a five-star Meltzer rating? They are like, um, we, they, this for them, this is, they are taking it easy into retirement. They're getting yeah. paid big bucks to not do shit. So. Absolutely. And I mean, they got over, so, you know, more power to them. I, it is wild, though, because you can tell that both of these teams do have technical aptitude. Again, Bushwhackers because they're fucking pedigree, like, from the rest of their career. And Rougeau's actually seen, for, for two dudes who just look like some schlubby dudes, like, they actually have some clear athleticism to them that I'm like, man, mm-hmm. in a better company, in a better time, this could actually be a, a hell of an interesting match. Yeah. Too bad it wasn't. <laughs> um, uh, um, I make a note here after I realize it. My entire notes have the Bushwhackers mixed up. So I make remarks about oh, Bushwhackers no. and no is actually the opposite of whatever I wrote. When did, you, when did you realize this? 
when I took about 10 minutes into the match, when I decided to go look up online pictures of Butch and Luke, and then realized in my head I had uh -oh. it the other way around. Uh-oh, stinky. Well, you, you got to keep that in mind. Um, I don't know, man. A bunch of shit happens. Jesse Ventura tries to, like, kayfabe that the Bushwhackers are objectively, like, worse and maybe less experienced wrestlers than the Rougeos, and I'm like... Okay. I mean, I think. Um, I mean, I mean. You think he has a fair point that the bushwhackers are a little too obsessed with biting? Uh, you know. Fucking <laughs> yeah! Bushwhackers immediately take to like biting the Rougeos for the entire match, and Tony Schiavone turns to Jesse Ventura and says, "It's got to be a psychological thing, Jesse." Jesse's like, like, "That's, that's a psychological, Tony. It it hurts." You ever been bit before? And then of course, fucking Robbie comes in with, "That's the type of bite that most people have to pay for." And then and 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 Jesse is just like the ref is letting it go, I guess. Heel heel uh commentator Jesse Ventura all here for law and order TM. Not even the not not even the last time he'll be objectively correct tonight, and that's an unfortunate Yeah, I know. It's un it's unfortunate. Rujos, but of course Rujos are also doing some cheaty cheat cheater sending. Yeah, um, all right. Uh one my okay, a really funny bit that I've had the Rujos do is okay so they do a bit where loot where butch whacker butch runs in and knocks down raymond all right the crowd goes nuts mm. and then raymond rougeau gets back up and he starts pointing at butch and he's like fuck, fuck you're a chicken for attacking me from behind and he offers his back to luke to hit him as if like like okay like from behind just to prove how tough he is. And then Jacques Rougeau runs in and hits Luke in the back. <laughs> that's so was, funny. I was like, that's a very funny heel bit. That's that's a cute bit. There was there was something, I forget what it was. There was something like Rougeau's got uh Bushwhacker Luke isolated and you know we're doing some shenanigans to get him fucked up a little extra. And then they so they do that. They go for the pinfall and like Bushwhacker Luke still practically no sells the whole like pin like he gets he gets extra special fucked up. He gets thrown down for the pin. Uh, one of the Rougeos gets on top of him, and he just like ever so lightly pushes the Rougeau off of him at like the one count, and it's, it's fucking goofy. Yeah, like, the match itself is extremely basic tag story of yeah. beat down one baby face until a hot tag happens. And also, like, a lot of this was Bushwhackers being in control. Rougeau's got very few, like, real spots to be on top. They got on, they were is... on top a lot. The Rougeaus were on top. Were they? Oh, again, like I said, so this match kind of bled together. I just saw, I just saw Bushwhackers hitting moves, and I was like, "Yep, that seems about now, right." Every once in a while, I saw. Love to just like run in the ring and hit moves, and then that's well, like, yeah, oh, that's all fine, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, that's that's exactly it. Is like, um, is they just that they they just kind of there's no structure. They were just kind of like, all right, I'm gonna do this thing. Cool. Now I'm gonna do that uh, thing. I didn't take a lot of commentary notes tonight, but I did make note of this exchange of like, okay, so the Jimmy Hart is a pair interjecting himself and Tony and, and Jesse Ventura is like, well, I mean, he's a manager. He's just giving them advice like a manager would. And Tony Absolutely. Schiavone is sarcastic. Like, oh yeah, Jimmy Hart, a real boy scout. 
That's Jimmy Hart. And Jesse Ventura takes that unironically and goes, hmm, you wonder, I wonder if Jimmy ever became an Eagle Scout. Like completely ignores the sarcasm. Oh my God. Oh my God. I didn't even catch that. That's so good. God damn it, Jesse. Um, Jesse also had something pretty stupid where like, I think like 10 minutes into this match, he he says something like, the Rougeos are firing up a little more, I guess. And Jesse remarks on that as, see, now the Rougeos have gotten into wrestling. What what have they been doing up until now, Jesse? What does that mean, Jesse? I don't know. Fucking Rougeos go for some top rope jump but on, on Bushwhacker Luke, but he gets the knees up and he get he goes into t- he he fucking tags tag. in nuclear hot tag the crowd goes bananas for that shit really do Um, oh my god of jimmy hart tries to interfere and fails miserably his ass and the fans are like foaming at the mouth for absolutely rabid to see jimmy hart get his ass rocked uh, basically what they do to win the match is Jacques has but Raymond has Butch in a submission move. And he has Jacques, him in the walls of Jer Rougeau. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then so Jacques is running the ropes to like do a double team move. Luke trips him and Raymond lets go of the hole to check on Jacques. And the Bushwhackers do the battering ram where they basically just knock into them in their back in the back i guess and that guess. is enough for the win yeah i know the fucking the bushwhackers just refuse to die for this whole thing and then they just get like a the easiest little one to fuck you on the rougeos and it's yeah, and, and it's after fun. the match luke runs over the ref and starts licking him in the head yes absolutely done. this match was 15 minutes long why does it feel like absolutely nothing was accomplished because not really anything was accomplished. Oh my uh, god. Uh, the, I, I, love, I love... Jesse Ventura hated the Bushwhackers, though. He was like, yeah, as, as, as you do. Why? Uh, they, uh, Tony Schiavone comments on the w, early WWF's favorite word, the chicanery of of uh, the, the Rougeos this evening. And Jesse's like, oh, well, you know. Well, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, yeah. So then after that match, we go to an interview with Mean Gene interviewing the Million Dollar Man and Virgil as Gene um, is like, the random draw has been made for the Rumble tonight and he brings up the accusations that DiBiase bought his way to number 30 last year. And he is like, so there's they've added more security this year and Ted DiBiase jumps in with, you call that security? I call that Gestapoism. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Fucking libertarians, man. So Ted was mad that he didn't get to draw his own number. The sec- Apparently, the WWF officials drew the number for him so he wouldn't fuck around with it. Not even that. Apparently, like, he got Virgil to do it for him. Well, he claimed... Or was that last get- year? Gene claimed- Gene took that as like, oh, you didn't draw your own number as, oh, you made Virgil do it for you. And DiBiase was like, no, I didn't make Virgil do it for me. 
See, I thought they were playing that as like sus. Of like he actually did get Virgil to do it for. I don't know. Well, um, if Virgil did do it for him, he did a shitty job because yeah, well, he's, yeah, Dean is like, "What's your number, man?" And he's like, "I'm not telling you that." He's like, "Come on, you're we're gonna find out later anyway. Just give me the fucking ball." And so he takes the ball and he reads out to everyone that Ted DiBiase drew number one. <laughs> Dude, and and fucking uh fucking mean gene is he's he's elated over this. He's like, oh ho ho ho, just you wait until uh you hear what I have to tell you. The million dollar man drew number one. Fuck you, million dollar man. You man. fucking deserve it, you piece of shit. Also, I want to point out that like throughout this entire interview, Virgil just has a stack of MDM's counting, money in his hand. He's just counting money in his hand. He's not even counting it. He's just flipping. And at one point, we just get like this random close-up while Gene and MDM are talking of, of just Virgil flipping the money, which is beautiful. Um, and and, Ted, and Ted, yes. Ted proceeds to just let out a whole bunch of copium about how it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what my number is. In fact, this is great. Because I'm going in there first and I'll exit last. I will show all these nine to five nickel and dimers that I'm the greatest. So I'm the best. I'm the best. I'm, I'm not owned. Anyway. I'm not owned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we cut over to our, our next match of uh the the genius Lanny Poffo versus uh Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Um worry, oh man. The genius has a poem, which I wrote <laughs> down. Of course you did. Behold the barber, what's his name, with scissors in his hand, intellectually inferior and totally outmanned. He wants to give my genius hairdo an aesthetic augmentation so I can be the joke of this World Wrestling Federation. Side note, if you watch this with closed captions on, they did change that to say World Wrestling Entertainment, thus ruining the bit. <laughs> that doesn't even rhyme! <laughs> All his cutting and strutting may be quick enough for some, but I'm the world's smartest man and beefcake's double dumb. Man. It, it ended on such a bad note because double dumb isn't a fucking phrase. It's so stupid. Man, I, I, I hate how much I identify with Lanny Poffo's cringy ass because I saw him reading out a poem about how he's going to dominate in the ring and I'm like, That'd be me, wouldn't it? That'd be, doing, I don't like... Doing, out here doing beat poetry. You, you know, I see nothing wrong with it. You know, a little, ain't nothing wrong with a little pre-match sonnet. Shall shall I compare thee to a summer's Dave Batista? I don't wow. fucking know. Wow. Um, shut it. up, shut up, shut up. Uh, also, uh, so, so we get that from him. Then Brutus comes out and fuck, Brutus has... Drip, dude. You got his cut up pink and white. Yeah. Je Jesse Ventura making the actually smart observation that, like, Brutus probably, like, got his get up looking the way he did by, like, getting a little too zealous with his barber shears and, like, cutting up the fabric. Because that is kind of what it looks like. Yeah. So, like, yeah, actually, smart call from Jesse. And then Tony Schiavone's like, yeah, I'd love to see you dressed in something like that, Jesse. And Jesse is uh, appalled at this suggestion, saying he would never wear anything as over-the-top as Brutus the Beefcake, uh, as if he doesn't have a tendency I to really... do himself up like a punk rock crocodile Dundee. 
Irony alert. Irony alert. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, also as my man is dressed as a Disney adult. Okay, yeah. dude. I made a note that I just had this revelation that Brutus Beefcake's theme song sounds like a Seinfeld song before that show ever existed. Like that, I like knew. the bass, like the bass line in particular feels like something like would have been a singer. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a singer on Seinfeld. Prudence the beefcake's like, what's up with all these barber shops? Yeah. Oh my god. So Brutus and Blanny Lanny spend the first like, I don't know, three minutes of this match just like posturing at each other. Yes. Uh immediately Genius just goes to the outside and does a cartwheel, and that kind of just sets the whole goddamn pace in this match, really. Um yeah. Genius like prances around the ring like he's some elf in a in a D and D game. That's the Golden Critters Christmas. Yeah, it's and Brutus makes fun of him for it the whole time, really. Yeah, yeah. So so Poffo's strutting and and Beefcake is like, what the fuck are you doing? So he just he just like mocks him. Um, I will say. Once the match got going, it did wake me up a little bit. Um, fucking, I always forget that Lanny Poffo is actually, like, pretty fucking good in ring. He had a bunch of moments in this, in this, where he was, like, being athletic and acrobatic as shit, and I, like, audibly responded to it. I had trouble getting into this one, because it felt like Lanny Poffo felt like a complete jabroni in comparison to Brutus Beefcake. <laughs> he so did, it, but it, like... It, it felt hard for me to get invested in this match, which felt like just a prolonged ass-beating. Pretty much. that That That's is genius. that is fair, but like, Poffo got enough cool, like, spots to show off his athleticism that, like, I, I, the spots got to me at the very least. You know, my, my inner spot monkey poking out you know as as you do um jesse ventura implies that beating lanny poffo would be on bar would be on par for brutus with the 49ers which you know he's, brutus is from san francisco with the so it'd be on par for brutus with uh 49ers winning the super bowl which that's that's no. that's a claim you can make that's it that's a thing you can say it's not illegal for you to say that yeah okay so Genius. So Brutus basically uh one the one spot I will note here is that Genius hits a drop kick and kick and pins Brutus Beefcake. And Brutus Beefcake in kicking out tosses Genius and Genius lands net first on the bottom row. Okay, okay. It's more than that though, because that specific spot. So he goes for the pin, but it's the it is the shittiest looking pin I have ever seen. He like just kind of gently crawls on all fours on top of Beefcake. Not even, like, putting all his weight down. He's, like, vaguely lifted up. He's just kind of, like, blanking over Beefcake. And Beefcake's like, uh, no, fuck you, and sends Lanny Poffo flying. Uh, he got suitably punished for that dumb fuck pin attempt. Um... But Brutus then goes on to do a stupid fake-looking move of his own where he does a fucking, like, head stomp on Lanny Poffo. And it is the, like, you can clearly see that it that boot made exactly zero oh, contact. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, not, I, not I, had, I had two notes of, Bru of that. Of Brutus Beefcake, first of all, I wrote Brutus with a something with genius between his thighs because, like, he, like... Gets he gets okay, so he like because he gets genius in like a power bomb position, head between his thighs, and then he like 
jumps up and like I don't know what he even does. It seems like he like hit he hits him in the head with his thighs, but it feels like he just did nothing. And I'm yeah, like, what are you doing, Brutus? Man? Brutus. Uh, okay. Well, I'll tell you, they do get a real fucking hit on Earl Goddamn Hebner. Yeah, Holy so, shit, Brut. Okay, so first of all, Brutus goes through his signature maneuvers: the big body slam. He does this a stomp to the face, which I think is the thing David was mentioning. Like yes. so clearly did not dumb bullshit. Oh my god! And then he's signaling for the sleeper hold, and the crowd is going fucking crazy for Brutus yes. Beefcake to put this guy to sleep. He doesn't this get it. Fucking in. crowd. He doesn't get it in. Genius gets tossed into the ref. The ref is knocked out on the outside over here. Uh, Brutus gets in the sleeper. There's no ref. And then my next note is, is is exactly the genius is out cold and Brutus decides to just strut around like a jackass instead of trying to wake the ref up. Absolutely. And then and then, and then Brutus says, scissor me, daddy ass, and gets out yeah. his barber shears. And then Jesse goes, this is utterly terrible. I agree. I Jesse? also agree. I agree. Again, I liked this one better because there was like a there was a work rate to it. Um, but it did fucking get stupid as soon as they Barber, absolutely murdered the ref. In a real noted babyface situation here, Brutus Beefcake knocks his opponent unconscious and all and decides to then forcibly assault him by cutting his hair while he is fucking, unconscious. That is, in a later, that, is, that is like an actual criminal assault to do. Yeah, in, in a later somebody. segment, goddamn Kurt Hennig calls it out. A, it's like, yes. He makes a valid point about non-consensual luchas de apuestas. Like, yeah. he so, didn't sign up for this. So Brutus just starts cutting into Genius's hair, and Mr. Perfect runs yeah. over to save his friend. Which and is really then, funny, because I feel like Kurt Hennig is in in some way only making the situation worse because by stopping this haircut mid cut he's just that just means he's sticking poor Lenny with a really uneven unfinished cut and that to me is a face worth uh, fate worse than death let me tell you um so perfect hits the perfect plex suplex on uh Brutus beefcake they start they mm -hmm. ring the bell to throw the match out perfect goes and grabs a chair and starts whacking Brutus in the gut with it a few times before the refs tell him to knock it off and get him out of there and officially the match is a double disqualification because nice. brutus took scissors to his opponent while he was unconscious and brutus and mr perfect ran in interference for for lanny poffo so you know what fucking double dq you're both you're both done Absolutely. Fucking as it should be. I I always get worried in matches like this that like the shenanigans are just gonna go unpunished. But you know, credit where credit is due. They actually uh they actually duded them for this one. Hallelujah. So then a Sean Mooney interview with the Heenan family. That is Heenan, Rick Rude, Haku, and Andre the Giant. Mm. Uh, but Haku is almost hidden almost entirely behind Sean Mooney in this interview set. I know. I could not fucking see Haku for the life of me. Haku says you can't see me. So Sean Mooney is like, it's every man for himself out there. And he is like, no, no, it's every family. Every for family himself. for. 
See, I heard every family for himself, and I was like, Bobby, what is that grammar? Bobby, um, Mooney, Mooney tries to ask Rick Rude what his number is, and he's like, I don't have to tell you that. And he's like, well, Everyone I mean, being weirdly defensive of their number for some reason. I don't tell you that. And then he and then he tries to be like, Heenan, well, I mean, like, is the family got the numbers to work together here? And Heenan's like, how about everyone is happy with their numbers and we're going to leave it at that? Okay, see, here's the thing. From this point on, for the rest of the Rumble, they try to do this thing where they they paint the Heenan family as a, in this very negative light where they try to be like, oh, we're uh, they they all are actually disagreeing. This Rumble is tearing them apart. But, but they don't to me, it kind of seemed num- like they, they were don't like... They have the numbers. They don't... Well, the obvious disconnect is between Rude and the Colossal Connection. But because of the way their numbers shake out, they never interact with each other in the Rumble. So there's well, no real opportunity and, to, like, show that. And even more so, in this segment, like, they tried to play it off as the Heenan family bickering about, like, whether or not this was going to be, like, a problem for them if they were in the rain together. But they all kind of seem to be in agreement of like, yeah, you know, if that's what it comes down to, we'll do what we got, what we got to do, you know? But he, like, Bobby seems mad that, like, Rude, that Rude would take that attitude. Oh, sure. But, like, uh, Rude, uh, Rude fucking uh, Andre and, um, uh, what's his nuts? Uh, all uh, Haku. Haku. Rude, Rude, uh, Andre and Haku all outvote him together. So, like, it doesn't matter, really. Yeah. It was it was a it was a red herring of this show of like the dissension yeah. within the Heenan family. Um, Pretty much, the third match, the one that only I watched, Greg the Hammer Valentine versus Ronnie Garvin in a submission match, and Whoa. it for me was the only non it was the only decent non Rumble match on the show. I disliked okay. both matches that we wa- that we collectively watched here. Uh, but it goes like 15 minutes and it's actually pretty technically sound because and I probably could have guessed that if I had to pick one match on this show to be good. But when I pick the matches for this podcast, I don't pick the matches that are good. I pick the matches that are I would value as the most high profile. Mm. And or would give a best sense of the overall quality of the pay per view. I and yeah. again, Val, Greg Valentine versus Ronnie Garvin got basically no build on television. So I was like, "Fuck it, we're not watching it." On for absolutely. Anyway, we gotta go with what's important, even if it's shit. After a long hard fight, Ronnie Garvin gets in the hammer jammer and makes Greg Valentine tap out or Oof. submit. They don't tap out. Yet. Yeah, yeah. V- Jesse Ventura tries to argue that uh, that uh, Greg Valentine, yeah, like shaking his head no, was him in fact saying no, I'm not ready to give up. Whereas Tony's like, okay. no, I'm pretty sure he was giving up. That's why the ref called the match off. Okay, okay, sure. Um, fucking, um. Then, uh, oh, you had, is this where the this is brother perfect. love segment where, came in? This is where Perfect's interview is. Okay, yeah, so so we get an interview with Kurt Hennig, um, and again, he's like, uh, man, it sure is fucked up that Lanny, or that, that, that Brutus Beefcake tried to do that to Lanny Poffo, isn't it, I huh? This, I anyway. 
I did quote this one of like, if you want to call it interference, you call it what you want. But I am sick and tired of it. Every time Brutus the Barber Beefcake puts somebody to sleep, he thinks he can take advantage of them. To which I wrote, perfect point. Yeah. I also um, know that they show the highlights of what happened and they selectively edited out Beefcake out of pocket, cutting Genius's hair. Like they cut. Uh, they like biased editing, biased editing by the WWE. Yeah, Henning has to like make a stink about it verbally to remind us. Um, I will say though, maybe taking it a little extra far. Kurt Henning's like, yeah, because you cut my friend's hair, I'm gonna crack your fucking rib, ribs wide open. You know, a, a a rib for a, a rib for a hair. I'm pretty sure that's that's not how that saying goes, but shh, you know, I, I guess. Uh, also, I, I want I wanted to be known that after this promo, my next note is just why are there eleven minutes of Royal Rumble promos? <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but yeah, they fucking do do eleven actual minutes of Royal Rumble promos. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. perfect is like he drew the perfect number, number thirty. And Ooh. this rumble was going to be just like everything else he does in his life. Absolutely. Absolutely perfect. perfect. So I will say, couple... okay. go for it. Yeah, you, you go ahead your point. I, well, I was just going to say, I, I, I feel like Hurt Hennig and Ted DiBiase being the bookends of this particular um, rumble is actually pretty solid. Like, they were got like, obviously they weren't like the top guys, but DiBiase and Henning at the time were both pretty high profile, and so sticking them is kind of like the very start and the very finish. That actually did feel like a good move to me. They, like, they felt like they were comparable characters that could really fit in such places. I, I quite like that bit of storytelling. I, I can go more into it when we get to the rumble match, but like, as like, in a really nerdy way to put this, I really like the way they structured the entrance, the when people came out in the Rumble match. I, we'll talk about there it. Is we'll like about it guy, there's like one there. guy. There's one where I'm like, uh, I didn't need to see this guy this late in this match. Uh, but overall, I enjoyed the way they kind of structured the, who was featured and who was doing what throughout the match. Yes, I'll, I'll I'll talk about it more when we get there. I I agree broadly, but uh, again, uh, we'll 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 get there. Yeah. So um, the next two segments were mine only. As mm-hmm. first, we get the brother love show with Sapphire and Sensational Queen Sherry, and honestly, this fucking sucked. Oh, it really? Is, really? It is really just brother love brings sherry on and they do this extremely long running bit of a first brother love being like he was reading the book of love and he came across the definition of peasant and he said the definition is a woman with no class a woman with no finesse a woman with no beauty and they're they're implying it's sapphire they're talking about diction what dictionary is he re okay fucking the the southern preacher the southern preachers man they bring out sapphire and literally it is 10 minutes it is like seven minutes seven to ten minutes of brother love and queen sherry shit talking sapphire to her face while she stands there 
with no response and no real and no no real like emotion on her face but they like call her a peasant they call her undeserving of being in the wwf they make jokes about how fat she is just like dustin Mm. rhodes is and how Mm. he is a peasant loser just like just like all these people in the i will say i will say sapphire is like a lot older than i thought she would be i assume i presume she'd be like a teenage like fangirl but she no, was like, like maybe or something i don't know let me, let me yeah know like she almost she is. she looked cl- uh, decently closer to dusty in age let me see oh yeah she was jesus christ she was 56 yeah, I was going to say, 30s seemed a little young. Yeah, fucking, I mean, that's kind of cute, though. Like, you know, we, we're, we're, we're appealing to, you know, the, 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 the wine moms of the crowd, yeah. you know? <laughs> Dusty, is, Dusty is 11 years younger than her. <laughs> what? Okay, that's just cute. That's just cute. I actually, I actually kind of like that. That's actually really kind of cute. Anyway, so she just stands there and takes this for uh, ten minutes, and then she suddenly is like, "I've had enough of this," and she slaps <laughs> after ten minutes. Yeah, she slaps Sherry in the face, and this makes Racho King Randy Savage run out to try to attack Sapphire, which draws Dusty Rhodes to come out and attack Ooh. Randy Savage. And then after the heels run off, Brother Love decides to try to like get in one few more digs on Dusty Rhodes. So Dusty beats his ass. And then nice. they and then Sapphire and Dusty just kind of dance in the ring together. And that's it. Based. That's based. I'm here for it. Min- the last few minutes of this were fine, but the whole part where it's like Sherry and Brother Love just, just stand abjectly there. shitting on Sapphire for ten whole minutes. Yeah, and Sapphire again does not respond to this until she's like, "I've had enough of this," and slaps. Actually, Sherry. fuck you. Yeah, she just stands there and does nothing the entire time. It's like Jesus Christ. Outstanding. Okay, cool. All right. Then we get a Jim Duggan interview with Sean Mooney where he's like. Whoa. Big Boss Man, this is the whole land of the free and the home of the brave. And I knew sometime you'd, you'd cause problem with me. Ho! And then we get Big Boss Man versus Jim Duggan. And the match ends in a DQ after six minutes when it's mostly boring 90, 80s WWF schlock. And then what happens is, is Slick tosses boss man the nightstick and the boss man and so slick tries to distract the referee except the referee turns around and still catches boss man hitting duggan with the nightstick and disqualifies big boss man why have two of the matches on this pay-per-view ended in a dq austin can you tell me that i i would love to know why? I never why I, I never see Jim Duggan actually fucking lose a match. So this is about checks out for me. Um, oh my god. Oh the politics. And then, and then oh, Jim the Duggan politics. gets his, then Jim Duggan gets his two by four and beats the shit out of boss man and Reverend Slick with it. Walkity walk. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. USA, 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 USA. Oh my god. Oh, three different fucking... people who are all Americans. USA, USA, US, CM Punk, CM, 
All right, now it's time for 10 minutes of oh, Royal Rumble promos. Oh, God. Okay. Man, just off the bat, all of these motherfuckers re really seemed to think that... The, or, you know, it must have been the sensibility of the day. It must have been the, the common wisdom that... The more you scream, the better you promo. It's oh, yeah, simple that's, that's, now. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's just how it worked back in the day. Is just oh my loud God. screaming man was the promo I, Okay, all right. Jake so Roberts I, was the only guy who was ever like, "What if I?" Did yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So let's run the let's let's run this. Name name off. Name off each promo, and if I had something to say about it, I'll throw in First, like my note or two about Dino it. Dino Bravo in the earthquake. Canadian flag just smack dab on the front of Earthquake's gear, which I find very funny. How else would you know he's the Canadian? He's Earthquake. Canadian, obviously. Well, uh, you know, he could start like talking in an outrageous French accent, um, but he's 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 over. So I he's a good guy. So I guess he doesn't have an outrageous French accent. Oh, yes. Demolition. Yeah. Uh, oh, for them, I just have that like they're really leaning on this whole like teams needing to face each other angle. Well, well, I'm sure I think that's especially because like last year, as they mentioned, they got number one and number two in the row. Oh shit! So like that was a whole big deal of like oh fuck, they immediately kind of have to fight each other. Malfunction Junction. What's that junction? Yeah. Yeah. They um, were like this year we got better numbers. Great. All right. Yes. Bad news, Brown. <laughs> I nothing. I guess got it. Nope. I no, made a note. Nothing. I made a note. I made a note of he where he's like he he's here to tell those beer belly sharecroppers that they better have their teeth their <laughs> tissues ready when he to cry when he beats all of their favorites. But I, I had did to write notice. Beer, I did have to write beer belly sharecroppers as a I did notice the use of that use. phrase and it made me go hmm. hmm. All right, Dusty Rhodes. The see this one so I had two notes, one bad and one good. The bad note was like man, the fucking editing on these promos were so sloppy because we cut to Dusty and he's just standing there for a second, clearly waiting for the go signal and he's like and so so he goes and then once he's done once he's done talking like it takes them an extra three seconds for them to cut away to the next person god the editing on this sucked but dusty himself my note was just goddamn dusty was nothing but pure charisma dude holy he was. shit this said, oh the macho king he proved himself out there today and he's and Dusty's like, I don't matter about man, Macho King. I'm gonna be in that match tonight until I can prove myself. Ooh, Sapphire, get in here. Yeah. The, oh, Dream Dream was spitting to be sure. Uh the Rockers. I I don't think I had anything for them. They really uh, don't say no. anything of no. Yeah, no. Again, malfunction junction. What's that junction? Hercules. I I don't know if it was like, is it Haku after Hercules? No, it's Rick Martel. Rick Martel. Uh, at some point around these, um, I just made a note of why are they all so sweaty? I am very uncomfy. Because That's this fair. is supposedly pre-match, and all of these, every single one of these motherfuckers is 
drenched in sweat or oil or something like they they are just they look like they just hopped in the pool and hopped back out to cut this yeah. promo why are they all so wet my biggest yeah. my biggest note for hercules is he ends saying he's gonna win the rumble royal good job thank buddy. you uh, thank rick you hercules Martin. rick martell Got nothing. I got yeah, nothing. I, I sure, that I, sure was some Rick Martel. I laugh that he started by like mugging for the camera in side pose, and then he's like, "No one will touch this beautiful face." Thank you, Ricky. They're, they're right. very cool. Tito Santana. I I got nothing. I got most nothing. Just a dude, baby face in WWF history is Tito Santana. On the scale of dude, <laughs> he is at the, the very dude. top. He's the most just to do. That's an impressive thing. I feel like he should get an award for that. You know, really, really solidifies his place in the Hall of Fame, I think. Yeah. Jimmy Snooker. Uh, fuck you. Fuck you, fuck, man. Fuck you. Though I did note that he, like, try, he compares the Royal Rumble to fishing with the sharks back on the islands. Thank you, Jimmy. Great. Akeem, the African dream. Oh, I actually did have a note for this. Uh, Oh God! Oh no! Why? Why? <laughs> Why? Uh, Why? My note was slick. Says Akeem is the biggest. The says the biggest. Why? The Why? 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 Is the brother from Africa Akeem? No. While Akeem Stop. moves around like a doofus. Stop. Stop. Like the whitest of boys. Stop. Stop All it! Right. I am in pain. All right, next is the ultimate warrior, and you get your notes out right now because I, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, have transcribed this entire promo and will be doing it when David is done talking. So, see, all I all I have is just I see. Uh, oh no, see, see, uh, I have, I have, um, I have three. I'm gonna give a nice little sandwich here, Austin. I'm I'm gonna have a slice of bread at the top of this. I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna have a condiment to insert in the middle of it, and then I'm gonna have another slice of bread at the very end. So up top, I will say, I'm very happy I had the captains on for watching this because warriors promo i don't i barely understood a word that was said I my cannot, man was gargling marbles can't wait till we have to watch these promos on vhs rips um austin claims that he was able to make sense of this this nonsensical I rambling so let's that. see i said i wrote all the words down that's what i said Okay, that well, you know, you that's enough of a translation, you know, at least at least a literal one. If they refuse to understand that the power of the ultimate warrior has spread like a virus amongst the WWF, then let them continue to walk as normal as they seem. But if those 28 what? normal men want to have special attraction, such as the Royal Rumble, then you and I as the Warriors, the most powerful force in the WWF, will continue to see it only as another challenge, only as another day of combat. Those 28 <laughs> normal men stacked one on top of another can't come close to the feelings and the destinations from parts fun unknown. Yeah, yeah, no, this was parts unknown. Undertaker is the surprise entrant in this year's Rumble. Uh, gaga. 
You realize as I do the 29th man, you Hulk Hogan, walk with a different force field around you. Walk on different horizons that are close to where I've been. But no one in the Royal Rumble shall form a team. Every man shall fight for what he feels in himself. That's not true. And I, the ultimate warrior, will fulfill another destiny. Yeah, yeah. So, so first of all, Austin, I'm an I. You need to like bag that. Uh, you know, put put in a little little box and pull that out as like an audition monologue. Uh, first of all, uh, think of the roles. I if if someone if someone came to a, to audition for me for like a Shakespeare show and pulled out an Ultimate Warrior promo, I'd cast him on the spot. I don't care. Um, uh, but yeah, that was um, uh, a, a deeply unhinged. So, in yeah, pick the stupidest way possible to be like the twenty eight other men suck, and the twenty ninth man, my one equal, is Hulk Hogan. <laughs> But it's all about that flavor, Austin. He he put the seasoning on it, you know? Are you, you could seeing, just Are you seeing the appeal of the ultimate warrior? <laughs> you know the the answer to this is yes. One but where where one question is answered, another another is posed. Uh, which is now were people unironically into him, or is it like me, where I see this deeply unhinged shit and I'm like, oh, this is really stupid and funny, and I love that. I probably I don't know a. how sincere probably, it could have been. You know, I don't know how much of that is column A and how much is column B. It probably depends on the age group. Yeah, that's that's fair because my man, my man said words and they kind of made sense. Uh, but he did say them in an extremely hyperactive, powerful voice and came across like an unhinged lunatic. And you know that's fun, the I suppose. Ult the Ultimate Warrior is the shouty man '80s wrestling promo taken to its logical extreme. <laughs> he is the physical embodiment of that practice. He is someone like promo to someone '80s screamed promo a little too hard and the ultimate warrior was birthed whole cloth from that moment he just appeared from a rip in the fabric of space-time the difference between warrior and hogan and savage is that hogan and savage you could understand what points they were trying to make well to an extent well yeah so so that was I mean, deeply unhinged I, we I mean mostly i mean i do understand yeah. that when hogan claims that he's gonna <laughs> body slam andre so hard that the fault line in atlantic city will cause an earthquake and donald trump will realize the the lack of has truth like the importance of family over material possessions because he's such a hulkamaniac i did understand <laughs> that point yes <laughs> whether so, i think that's stupid or not. i could understand i could i could understand i i could make make out the words that were coming out of the mouth and you know that's half the battle uh warrior not so much we cut back to shivani and ventura for some reason they just kind of comment on some of the promos we've seen so far and they're like and now here's some more and hey speaking of deeply unhinged oh yeah. yeah the macho king 
Nah, he goes on for but a really the, long the time. The Macho King wearing his crown that he got from Burger King, dude. Yeah, so Matsu King, any notes on that promo from 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 Randy Savage? Uh, let's see. Um, nah, just that the crown is looks looks cheap as fuck, and that Macho is pretty much just as unhinged as Warrior is. <laughs> I enjoyed his line about he's the one person you shouldn't bet against because you'll go broke. Thank you for that, Macho. Okay, then Mr. Fuji with the powers of pain. I see. You know what I appreciate? I appreciate that. Fu so, so we know Jimmy Hart does the thing where he wears a different outfit for every single one of his wrestlers that he manages, and he's so committed to that that he will wear multiple outfits in the same show if he has multiple of his guys in, um, like on the show. Um, but you know that. Well, that's all fine and good. I find it deeply cute and wholesome that Fuji. Does like little eye makeup. He does the eye face for, paint. Yeah, he does like the eye face paint when he's hanging out with these two dudes. That's actually like that's actually really sweet. Like, oh, way to take care of power and pain, buddy. That's 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 wonderful. Yeah, that was uh, all I had. Yep, and then Jake Roberts. Yeah, okay, this is the, everyone else is screaming their asses off, and Jake Roberts here to bring, you know, his trademark intellectualism never, to the proceedings. Never ceases to amaze me what the human mind can come up with. And then he's he's going on about what's the best number, and he's like, well, every, no number is the best, because there'll be a lot of hungry men out there, and the winner will be the man who will do anything. The man who will sacrifice just a bit more than everyone else. And that sounds like me. Jake Keith Lee Roberts is out here talking about in-ring psychology or whatever. So, you know, I appreciate the change in pace. Uh, the Hart Foundation. Uh, yes. Jim Neidhart gets, like, really worked up about, about this. And mellow out, screams Bret Hart to Jim yeah, Neidhart. I'm seeing that that's the Hart Foundation promo style of, like, Jim Neidhart goes on some coked up rant of near gibberish and then brett's like and i'm here to say a, co a cogent point <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's his translator you know thank god right mm -hmm. the honky tonk man the honky tonk man fucking uh so my man talks about how uh, he's gonna, uh, the, the 29 hits he's gonna play during the Rumble, uh, talking about the 29 men he's going to eliminate, which I don't, I, I, I'd love to, I'd love to see, like, cause he, I, that, the very specific thing needs, so he's not number one, which means he will need to come in at a point where nobody else has been eliminated and then single-handedly eliminate every single this one himself. Not work, this does not work out for him. Uh, Which but, you know, uh, I, I feel I feel like it's properly symbolized that this is actually that that all of the you know again hits because mm, get it music all the hits he's gonna play is actually really fucking stupid because he then he then ends the promo by strumming what is I shit you not the single sourest chord I've ever heard he, he, in my he life. Did such a bad job at trying to play a guitar. I I I I think I had an aneurysm when he did that. I think I think it caused permanent nerve damage in me when he when he hit that cord off. It was it was very yeah. painful. And now the final one of these stupid promos, Hulk. Yeah. 
Hulk Hogan says he's going to like dig deep into his intestines and pull out all the vitamins and prayers he's got inside of there to win the Rumble or something. Yeah, no, he's like, I tell you, brother, I've seen all these guys out there in the back, dude, we're thinking they're ready for the for the, for, for the Royal Rumble. But the only thing you can't plan for is the power of the pythons of Hulkamania, brother. Hulkamania is at its peak, brother. And Hulk Hogan doesn't care who, th- who thinks they're the most powerful man, the WWF. When he beats the other 29 men, he will prove that nothing is stronger than the power of Hulkamania, dude. What you gonna do when the power of Hulkamania runs wild on you? No, 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 no. What he says is, what you gonna do uh, when when the power of Hulkamania rumbles all over you? And I don't think I'm comfortable with the idea of Hulkamania rumbling on any part of me, thank you very much. Oh, yeah, little dude. I'm going to come over and rumble all over you, brother. No, no, stop it. Stop, Hulk. Stop, bad, bad touch. Bad touch. Stop oh, yeah, it, Hulk. Brother, I'm gonna, oh, yeah, brother. I'm going to rumble all over Bubba the Love Sponge's wife, dude. Fuck. <laughs> 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 no. I'm going to rumble. I'm going to rumble all over the little Hulkamaniacs in heaven, brother. Oh, yeah, brother. <laughs> god damn okay yeah um so that was also unhinged um the three horsemen of the apocalypse um deeply unhinged promo cutting um fucking we we cut back to the crowd dude i did i see a foam hacksaw two by four in the crowd i swear to god probably i saw some some kid holding up what had to have been like you know one of those fucking you know wwe and their foam merch a foam two by four yep why that's so dumb you're literally just being sold a small thin blank of styrofoam it's it's not even in a shape it's just a rectangle (laughs) yeah but it's it's duggan's two by four oh my god oh they could really get away with selling anything couldn't they Mm -hmm. oh god okay for the royal rumble match um after uh howard finkel goes through the rules yeah uh number one out is ted dibiase of course and i'll be honest i I had to def i took the same level of notes i take in the other rumbles we've done so far but i really felt like i had to nail it on this one because there is unlike modern rumbles there is no on-screen graphics listing names or number of who's coming out all we oh, get really? is a 10 oh, second shit. countdown but like yeah they don't say like you have to rely on the announcers to be like it's the it's this person and what number is it well if you're not keeping count at home fuck you man you're getting fuck it. you no i did lose help. track of that pretty easy mm-hmm. so i'm yeah. sure to take very clear notes on every entrant number so it was like there i tried but no i kind of lost it in the middle yeah, all right. So, so it's Ted, Co- Ted out, and then it's Coco Beware out at number two. Um, Bird and man, I forgot that I'm like really into Coco Beware, dude. He's he's great for a guy who is basically like mid card at best. In yeah, the WWF guy is fun to watch. 
Why was this guy stuck in the lower mid card? He seems bursting with personality and charisma, and he's clearly talented as fuck. I don't, I don't know, but he basically never wins anything. Uh, well, because because maybe... Vince Vince can't can't recognize talent if it bites him on the ass. As long as it's that that talent isn't you know named Hulk fucking Hogan. Okay, so I okay, so this early part of this match, I like the story here of DiBiase being like, yes. I need to immediately attack these people. I have got he is trying to turn this into twenty nine consecutive one v ones. Dude, it was so cool. Um, we uh, w- one spot in this first bout I took note of was DiBiase starts fight. He he gets Coco at one point and he starts like slamming Coco's head into the turnbuckle and Coco just fucking like endure. He doesn't no sell it, but he like endures that shit and fires back up and He's oh my up. god. He's hulking up, and he turns around, and he whoops DiBiase's ass, and he whoops DiBiase's ass for a hot second, and then he gets flipped yeah. out of the ring. Fuck you. And I was, DiBiase out, but DiBiase bat- body drops him out of the ring. Elimination number one as the Love next the bat, man. I was, I was already realizing, like, it's sick, though, if they were, like, it's sick that they were kind of going for DiBiase actually being powerful in the Rumble this year, because, like, mm-hmm. they were talking about how uh, you know, DiBiase's this little weasel who weasels out of things like a, like the weaselly little weasel he is. Um, but like, it's trapped in this position, he shows off, and it's actually really cool to see. Mm-hmm. And then entrant number three is Marty Jannetty. Uh, yes. I, I got a real note about his his performance in the Rumble versus Sean's later. Um. Again, the million dollar man immediately jumps on the attack, but this time Marty is quicker to kind of start taking over. However, Marty, after a good back and forth, Marty goes for a flying crossbody. DiBiase ducks and Marty, yeah, he's Marty's out. out. Rumble. Marty's out. Not too. Not too. uh, He's he's out pretty quick too. Um, Too. Um, yeah, well, no, no, yeah, yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, like, it doesn't, in terms of time, does not take them all that long to be uh, yeeted. The first, the first um, two are out in the fir- in the before the next guy comes out. Oh my god! Fucking, number four, then though, is uh, I, what, what, one thing I do want to note though. So I didn't note this during the promos earlier, but during the the Rockers little promo, they talked about how they were like gonna. Uh, you know, they were talking about uh, the same thing all the teams were this year. The the, the trope they're leaning on of, like, whether or not there was going to be malfunctions at these junctions. And Sean and Marty were just like, hey, man, we don't really got to worry. I, Sean's like, hey, Marty, I don't think we got to worry about this, you know, this whole thing. And, uh, well, he was right because Marty's I, fucking gone before he even steps into the ring. That also feels, like, prescient considering, like, a spoil, minor spoiler here. Sean is one of the last people out. So, like, yes, if, if we could say they cut these promos with their numbers in mind, it makes sense. They'd be like, yeah, I don't think we're going to have to worry about, like, having to fight each other. Because one of us is That's very also such early a backhanded thing late. to say to Marty of like, yeah, you little fucking jabroni. I don't think you're going to last uh, very long if you're coming out to at be, number three, you dipshit. To be fair, the longest lasting person in the Rumble before this match, before this year's Rumble, so admittedly the first two Rumbles, but the longest lasting person in Rumble history up to that point had gone just under 30 minutes. Oh, wow. 
In fact, I'll just go ahead and say this. DiBiase at 44 minutes sets the record in this I was going to say. He lasts 44 minutes. That is then the record for longest in the Rumble. And he'll he probably that- held that record for a hot second. He will hold it for a couple of years because Ric Flair is going to shit all over that record oh, years later. Um, of course. But, like, admittedly, it's not even that much of a backhanded compliment to say, like, Marty is not going to last long enough to interact with Sean because up to that point, literally no one had lasted 23 spots in the Rumble. This is fair, but also like, but man, that's your tag team partner. Even if you don't actually believe it, you still gotta gas him up, you know? Like it's kind of me. Like he could he could have just been like, hey buddy, I believe I believe you could break that record. But nah, he's like, nah, fuck you, you're gonna die, you little bitch. And then he died, but yes. Yeah. Uh, number four is Jake Roberts. And the crowd loses it you know jake's here to defeat dibiase with his pure in-ring psychology you know yeah dibiase tries to get such a jump on jake he goes out through the middle rope and tags jake before he even gets in the ring i know they, they, these motherfuckers immediately start brawling on the outside dibiase like oh shit he actually poses a threat to me so i'm gonna yeah. make sure i don't have a top rope to go over yeah, so these guys fight for two minutes. D- Jake Roberts almost gets the DDT on DiBiase, but DiBiase escapes. I will say, what well, this is kind of random. We get a shot of the foot. We get a ra- in the middle of this. We get a random shot of like the snake bag that Jake lays in the corner, and it, it will it will never not be creepy. Getting close up shots of the snake bag like moving because there's a fucking living, live, real snake inside. Probably the funniest part for me is how that's actually going to be relevant in a Rumble eventually. It oh, really? In the next year's Rumble, in the 91 Rumble, uh, Andre and Jake Roberts were feuding, and the story was Andre is actually deathly afraid of snakes. And so he is eliminated from the 91 Royal Rumble by Jake Roberts pulling out Damien and Andre being so scared he voluntarily leaves the match. What the fuck? Yes. That hey, he's Jake Roberts with that in-ring psychology. He knows he's a genius. He's unstoppable. Yep. I but, mean, he he kind of is relative to this man, considering that he is in fact the first person that DiBiase does not get out before like the the next competitor. Yep. Fortunately, DiBiase gets some help as number five is the Macho King, Randy Savage. Yes. Uh fucking Savage Savage is is out here. Uh Savage's arrival did make me ponder something cuz you you've mentioned in the past how apparently Savage was very exacting about his in-ring choreo. Like he wanted to make sure all the spots were like he very much so he, I wonder he was one he was one of those guys who was like we are I am choreo we are note by note choreographing yeah. the whole thing beforehand. So I wonder how that worked for him in the Rumble. Because no fucking way he was able to pull that type of shit in the Rumble. So like, Probably not. He probably had to do some compromise on like his spots in the Rumble. Especially, yeah, because, which is, especially because admittedly most Rumbles, when you're not actively doing a spot, you're just kind of like pretending to punch a guy in a corner. Randomly brawling, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you can kind of get away that must have, with it. That must have pissed him off something fierce. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Savage uh, goes the thing, the thing is, too, uh, 
Yeah, no, well, that's the thing. Savage goes straight for straight for Jake, um, and DiBiase immediately steps back and observes. Um, and God, fucking like shrewd situational analyst Ted DiBiase is easily my favorite aspect of his character because he spends so much time doing this goofy like I'm rich bullshit and it's so obnoxious. But like, man, deep down, when you let him take himself a little more seriously, like. There's a compelling character, a compelling heel character there. And when it comes out, it's actually really sick to watch. Yeah, he is he's he's so wrapped up in this like goofy millionaire thing. That, yeah, like, I know. The guy actually underneath all that's actually pretty smart dude. But you know, I yeah, I agree. Why do that? Why use my brain when I can use my money? The Ted DB Absolutely. That, that does make his story in this match interesting because he wasn't able to buy himself to, to easy street this time and he's making the most of it. Uh, it, it, it he, he makes for a really compelling character uh, at the center of a lot of this, this match. So that's really cool. Um, and then Jake, um, Jake gets caught in the fucking like, uh, arms tangled in the ropes thing, which is continues to be such an uncomfy thing for me to look at. Um, Not even the only guy but, in this match that happens to. I know. Oh god, it's so. It's, yeah, but they, I just imagine that happening to myself, and it just oh, it's so uncomfy. Yeah. Um, heel, but heel solidarity here as Savage oh, and Diaby are like, yeah, again, we are we after, are going to fight Jake. After all of commentary, we're making a deal out of, like, there are no teams in the Royal Rumble. The fucking morality lines are drawn so, dis like, distinctly they, that, like... Things get, things get muddier in the back half of the match. But a little bit. Uh, generally speaking, the baby faces and the heels work with each other. Not a whole lot of friendly fire morality-wise in this one. And, like, a lot of active cooperation between, between heels and between faces. Um, fucking, and then, and then, uh, number four to come out is Roddy Piper, who's not yeah, Scottish, but you know, uh, number Piper is number six, though. You might have meant fourth new person, might have been what you meant. Oh, he is the shit, yeah, he is the sixth entrant. Is he is the sixth entrant? I forgot, I forgot because there's six dude there because here he makes he makes four in the ring, in the ring, yes, um, is what it is, in yes. the ring. Um, but like, yeah, he shows up and so he, he helps get snake, Jake the snake out of his bind. Yeah, it becomes and a 2v2, so Roddy oh, and yeah. Jake versus Savage and DiBiase. Dude, six competitors in, this shit's already like insanely well booked. Like, we had DiBiase, um, getting out the two, uh, getting out Coco and Janetti really quickly and really early. And then we had Jake come in, um, who brought something different to the match and gave DiBiase more trouble. DiBiase had to switch it up. And then we had Savage come out to team with DiBiase and for D allowing DiBiase to step back and kind of like regain himself and, you know, be the shrewd analyst. Um, and then Piper shows up, and we get this sick 2v2. Off the bat, this was, like, insanely well-booked. Like, mm -hmm. just six competitors in. I was really impressed with what with the story they were telling here. Yeah, and then, I mean, they, I mean, there's a lot of close close calls here, but nobody gets thrown out. 
the yeah. number seven is the warlord. The warlord is here, and everyone and there was much rejoicing. Yay! Now, in this con, in the story of of this, this is interesting because basically the warlord is the first like powerhouse of the rum the featured in the rumble here, and he kind of immediately comes in, starts clowning on Jake and Roddy Piper. And Roddy Piper gets stuck busy fighting the Warlord, leaving Jake Roberts to get double teamed again by Savage. Oh, shit. That's actually really smart. I'll admit, I saw the Warlord and tuned out like a little bit. So I'm like, I care less about this guy. But I was trying to. So I did did miss kind of what was going on situationally there. But that's pretty sick. Yeah. But Jake Roberts is just barely able to hang on yet again. And then number eight is Bret Hart. The Hitman is here. Man is here. Now I man, this shit got this shit got away from DiBiase real quick, huh? (laughs) It did. His big old master plan pretty quickly fell apart. Um, I was like, we are suddenly up to six people in the ring. As Bret is here, I kind of thought the Hart Foundation were heels. Maybe I just assumed that because I've always seen them as heels. But Bret works babyface the whole match. Oh no, he is—he and Nightheart get like babyface pops. Mm-hmm. Bret goes straight for Ted DiBiase, and it's now a three v three situation. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, Roddy and, and Bret. No, no teams, huh? Yeah, Roddy and Brett working together to take down the Warlord. Enter at number nine is Bad News Brown. He sure is here. He, show, he shows up, really. I don't, for a lot of people, I make notes of who's like the person they immediately go target. Did not make a note on Bad News Brown about that. It's um, so hard to pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jake so goes. Boring. Basically, uh, we quickly get the third elimination of the match, though, as Jake goes for the DDT on DiBiase, but Randy Savage runs in and just knocks Jake out of the ring. And Jake Roberts Bro. is the third man out. R.I.P. Jake. But something that was kind of wild is the fact that, like, Jake. As far as I can tell, Jake leaves the ring, but it didn't look like he brought the Damien bag with him, which I was like, are we about to have, like, Chekhov's Damien here? But no, he's just kind of, like, not not they there. They just grabbed it off screen or something. Okay, yeah, sure. No, but Roddy, he nearly gets DiBiase out, but Savage saves him again. Uh, they admit they do admit on commentary that DiBiase gets so much help not to lose <laughs> to not get eliminated. Oh yeah, in match. Uh, he he definitely he's definitely like working uh working smart in this one of of the suit is like someone else who aligns with him morally comes in. He's like, all right, I'm a, I'm a step back a little bit and let you take care of this. Yeah, number 10 out is Dusty Rhodes. And he, the dream, he's coming in, throwing them elbows at Savage. He lines straight, straight for Savage. And mm-hmm. oh my God, he beelines for Savage. He fucks up Savage. And then he yeets Savage out of this yeah. match. So, D- yeah. Dream is like, oh, Sa- 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 King, I-, I don't think you're going to be in this match anymore, Daddy. No. Bad News Brown tries to set up Dusty Rhodes to get its clotheslined over by Savage, and but then then Dusty just ducks and Savage gets tossed out instead. So yeah, he, Randy Savage, crazy enough, is the fourth man gone in this match. 
You you you, you got to get out of here, Daddy. We don't we don't we don't need no fake kings in, in this ring here, Daddy. The man who was the WWE champion, but a year before at this show. Jeez, uh, fuck you, fuck you, man. Your name's man not Hulk Hogan. Get out of here. Get. Yeah. We don't. We don't like your kind here. Former I champions. I don't think he was even in the match last year. I think. Uh, let me check this, but I think Hulk Hogan might be the first WWE champion to be in the Rumble match. Of course he was. Of course he was. Let's see here. No, Randy was in it, and he was eliminated by you guessed it. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Man, those fucking a, mega powers, huh? Yeah, and we'll tie into that later, I think. Um, yeah. Roddy is trying to solo the Warlord. It's Dude, not really working. Warlord has spent 90% of his time in his mat being pushed up against the ropes by people just doing vain attempts to solo knock him out. And don't worry, though. We won't have to deal with the Warlord much longer. As number 11 is Andre the Giant... Warlord immediately goes to attack Andre, and Andre with one arm chucks Warlord out of the ring. Andre says, fuck a you. Fifth man out. No problem at all. And then, yeah. at that point, Bobby Heenan, because all the managers have stayed at ringside throughout this match, Bobby mm -hmm. Heenan tries to yell at Fuji to get out now that his man's out, and Fuji, like, turns and threatens to hit Bobby Heenan with a cane. Dude, Bobby backs Fuji off. Is Fuji a face right now? I don't think so. I think they are. Cause, cause I think like, this is a heel v heel confrontation. That's so wild. Because you would think like if someone's going up against Heenan like that, they they gotta be a good guy, right? God damn. No, they had this. They did have this bit on the Brother Love Show a few weeks back on Superstars, where all the heel managers with stables got together and just shit talked each other about who was gonna win the Rumble. Like he didn't ran down every fucking other. He ran. He ran down like Jimmy Hart and Slick and Sherry and Fuji. He ran them all down on the brother. Fucking, Love show, so. Oh shit! He out here making enemies. Oh, but he's the he is the heeliest of the heels. But it doesn't make anyone less heel. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yep. Uh. So. Uh. Andre. Fight basically is Dusty Rhodes and Roddy Piper become like okay we're gonna fight Andre we gotta get him out of here but Andre's holding his own two on one fucking Andre that dude this entire match like it, it it's the story of every battle royal that features Andre whereas which is at some point you're just gonna get all these motherfuckers who are like I'm so tired of Andre being here please God let's just and get rid of him. And honestly, he's not even the guy in that match they do that with. Not really. It's more Warlord in that case. Um, oh, there's no at there's least one at the beginning. Who, there's one guy who is like every fucker is like we're just gonna collectively get him out right now. Like Andre, Andre is not that guy in this Rumble. Incredibly, number twelve, the Red Rooster. Yes. The first time seeing uh, David because he has not gotten any promo time at all. And, and fucking, dude, uh, yo, you can tell this man is so deeply unimportant because Shivani sounds. Shivani is so deeply unenthusiastic to announce him. He's like, and here comes the Red Rooster. Yeah, Dusty Rhodes almost immediately grabs Rooster and throws him out. 
he does Ooh. he doesn't succeed but like he dusty almost throws him out immediately i was like jesus i never like I, I never like rooster's daddy I, i'm more, i'm more of a chicken so, guy myself so meanwhile roddy piper and bad news brown have gone to fight each other over by the ringside uh roddy gets close but yeah. he does get bad news brown out of the match and then Bad News Brown just decides to grab Roddy Piper and pull him over the top rope. And apparently this also counts as elimination. Oof, Allen also. I mean, he went over the top rope and he hit the floor. Uh, it, you know it, that is the rules. I would call it the most controversial rule that they let happen in the Royal Rumble up there with guys who are allowed to just hang out at ringside for 30 minutes. Uh, Absolutely. Is, Letting people who are not legally in the match eliminate people. It's not a big deal here necessarily, but especially when you look at guys who are in factions or are just petty assholes like Bad News Brown. It's like, why? Why will you we get eliminated? Why do you just leave? It's it's one of those it's one of those tricky things of like that if you started to actually like think about those while watching the match, it would fuck it up because, like, as soon as you start thinking about any of the, like, practical considerations of the rules, like, the entire logic of the Royal Rumble match, like, fall, like all the in-ring psychology just falls to fucking pieces. But, like, I feel like... I feel like trying to stipulate on it and and like specify it would be to the detriment of the match because then you draw attention to like all the ways that could be exploited um and you know start people thinking of like why people would behave remotely irrationally in this match that it's actually really easy to game the system i i don't know like yes and also like i feel like this is one of those like you kind of have to turn your brain off a little because like I don't think the way this match works could allow for the brain to be um, really. Um, I, I I don't I don't think there's like uh, a way to do it in that that lets you like satisfy every hypothetical what if rules fuckery scenario that there could be. I don't know. Man. All right. But this they Roddy and Ben Brown brawl up the ramp, and this is setting up a feud at WrestleMania six that I'll just go ahead and say it, we're not gonna watch because it would be Oof. a pain in the ass to find it. As essentially no. as part of the story, Roddy for WrestleMania six does half blackface. He dre he he body paints half of his entire body black. And I don't what? remember the specific idea he's going for with this, but ah uh, yes, got, I also got, love Victor Victoria. It got the the peacock accent all the same, so that whole promo and that whole match are just gone from WrestleMania six on the on Peacock. And I admittedly think it would be too big of a pain in the ass to find it and re-implement it into the paper any us watching WrestleMania 6. Yeah. No. But that I happened. Don't it happened. And that is why it is gone forever in the ether. Based. Based and red-pilled. What the fuck? Anywho, number 13 out is, dem is Axe of Demolition. 
Oh, Axe, okay. You can remember, I, I which, remember, you can remember his remember name. It, which is which, because Axe is the one with the bald spot. See, I'll be honest, I forgot that his name was Axe at all. Like, I just forgot there, that the other half of Demolition was named Axe. So when I saw that, like, Demolition Crash came out later, I assumed that this must be Demolition Smash, because, I don't no, know, it, it runs. It is Axe and Smash. Okay, Cra Axe and Smash. Um, Crush, I think, would partially be a demolition adjacent person. Okay. So either way, axe demolition X demolition axe is here and wearing his finest kink harness straight from the dungeon. Yep. Um, and in the meantime, Andre casually just throws Red Rooster the fuck out of the match. Get out of yeah. here. I this is the point where I kind of comment at least for me again this might have been that I was just like tired the fuck out like I said the storytelling for the rumble has devolved a little bit it's it's not the tight uh the tight affair that it was when we had the 2v2 earlier but you know yeah, it's still cooking getting, a little it's, bit it's 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 going into more traditional like everyone just punching everybody else rumble yeah. rumble fawning though they do try to anchor that like the story beat to follow here is now like Axe is here and he's got beef with Andre because they took the Andre and Haku beat Demolition for the tag belts. Ah, uh, yes. So like Demolition versus Haku and Andre become like a big story thread throughout the middle part of this match. Okay, that that's that's fair. That was one that I didn't process as much, so it was harder. Like I knew the I, I knew the big storylines and kind of the like lower level storylines. I it was harder for me to follow. So that probably like made it a little less engaging for me too. Um, yeah, but an axe axe knocks Andre to this to the ground. Like he just goes to he just beats Andre up solo, and Andre is on his knees. Uh, I, this is also note while they're fighting that Weasel chants break out for the Bobby Heenan because he is the Weasel. Sure. Uh, I thought he was the brain, but okay. Well, he weasel calls, brain. He, he calls himself the brain, but he fan like the fans and especially Gorilla Monsoon call him a weasel. I see. Many and he, people and are he's saying had, this. He's had multiple matches where like he he is he has to wrestle, and when he and when he loses, he is required to dress up in a weasel costume for humiliation. What the fuck? Sure. Um. Uh, fucking while this whole Axe and Andre thing is going on, uh, uh, Dusty and Brett are like double teaming on Ted DiBiase. And man, I'm gonna call bullshit on this. There's no way that Ted DiBiase would not get his whole ass thrown out by Brett and Dusty combined. Well, they are like, well, well I think the justification on this is Dusty decides to just quit. Go fight yeah, Andre. Like, even and before help him Dusty act. quits, they have a solid 30 seconds where Dusty and Brett are like actively pushing from under him. Well, you, like, you want to talk? You mean, he's you holding talk on to the ropes. I mean, you want to talk about the thing you got to shut your brain off about is like people just hanging on the fucking ropes in Royal Rumble matches for a very yeah, I know, but like, like it's dramatically obvious, lengthy amount of times. But it's especially obvious here with like. The the clear like power combination of Brett and Dusty Rhodes, uh, trying to yeet the guy whose whole thing is that he is very annoyed about being the first guy in, but he's trying to survive all the way. So like it draws attention to it a little bit more. But yeah, um, man, I kind of I did not have 
many spot notes for the next several. Uh, I did not have any spot notes for like the next several entrants. So if you got anything, I'm down okay, to hear I, it. I do have some. So this is when Andre gets yeah. tied up in the ropes and he gets double teamed by Axe and Dusty. Uh, we talked about that earlier. Yeah. Like, yep. yeah. Number 14, though, is Haku is here to save yes, Haku Andre's is here. Uh huh. They kind of, they kind of, team buddies, as you know. They split off into three different 1v1s of Andre versus Axe, Haku versus Dusty, and DiBiase versus Brett. Uh, Dusty does his jabs to Haku and then immediately goes and collapses in the corner. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh, yeah, I did catch that. I saw him kind of flop, and I'm like, oh, yeah. he's he tired. Yeah. He, uh, I'm feeling a little tucked out, daddy. But now the co colossal connection is beating down on Axe, but don't worry, number 15 is Smash back. is here. Halfway, halfway there, baby. Yeah, so now it is Demolition is now a, a unit in this rumble for until they they get broken up really they basically do everything as a tag team for the rest of their time in the rumble Ooh. Uh, oh they're, yeah didn't they they're fight they're fighting off the colossal connection dusty and brett are going back to fighting dibiase uh base i read him demolition targets dibiase dusty and brett targets andre haku is the enforcer to save the heels he like he just kind of yeah. keeps showing up to like the like the baby faces double teaming the heels. Haku shows up to be like, nope, not going out yet. Yeah. But then and then number 16, Akeem, the African dream is here. Uh Akeem Yay. goes after Andre. And then the big thing though is that demolition come and demolition work together and knock Andre over the ropes and out of the match. Andre is only the ninth person out of the match. Yeah, ripping pieces. He fucking man, when you get shoved to that mid card, man. It'll it the oh yeah. how the mightiest will fall. And notably though is off screen and I'll admit I reround several times to catch when this even happened. But while they're doing this entire bit where demolition and Andre and Haku are fighting, uh, a Brett Brett Hart gets like chopped over the ropes by Dusty Rhodes and eliminated. Oh shit! Yeah, I completely missed the Brett elimination. I hey, I so kind of lost the, track so of quite did, a few so eliminations did, here. So did the commentary team. They are Ooh. like, oh, the commentary's like, oh shit, Brett was eliminated while we were dealing with that demolition Andre stuff. And so when did I that rewound, happen? I rewound as far as I could go to see Brett get when Brett got thrown out and by whom and Dusty threw him out uh, to take him out. Number 10 there. Nice. So nice. now we're down to six, six men yet again until Jimmy Snuka is here at number 17. Boo. Uh, the fucking, he comes out and Shivani's like, ah, Snuka's here. Just listen to that crowd. And like, honestly, this gigantic crowd didn't seem to actually pop all that much for Snooka, so yeah, I don't know like, what the fuck he's talking about, but, like, you know, base. Snooka, Snooka was a top baby face from before this time, right? Like, he mm -hmm. was a top baby face. Where's about 83 and 84? Like, the very end of, like, Bob Backlund's time and right at the beginning of Hulk Hogan's time is probably... Yeah. Jimmy Snooka's peak as a babyface character in his own right, and he's kind of like lost a lot of steam since time has gone yeah. on. Yeah, 
But, yeah. but you know, Snooker does do one good thing in this match. He does some jumping clothesline thing and eliminates Akeem. Yeah, fucking rest and piss, Hakeem. The only like the 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 worst, the the fucking second worst person you know, or the the worst person you know. I fucking actually no, the, it's tough because Hakeem as a character sucks and Snooka as a person sucks. So like, they, you know, fuck Snooka, but also thank you for getting rid of of stupid white, uh, fake African piss boy. Jesus the only Christ. Thing- I even note about Akeem is that he had a brief attack fight with Dusty Rhodes here. And I was like, huh, Akeem, the African dream versus Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. The American dream. Uh, uh, <laughs> I see what they're going for. And it's fucking moronic. Anyway, Demolition tries to go after Snooka, but Haku saves his fellow Pacific Islander. Um, uh, yes. DiBiase and Ted and Dusty Rhodes are fighting on their knees in the background. Um, nice. I missed that. And then number 18 is Dino Bravo. Yes, fucking the Dino Bravo. The strongest man before Mark Henry took that gimmick. Well, Dino Bravo came out and uh, with Jimmy Hart in tow. And Jimmy Hart, of course, has now done his like fifth costume change of the night. Yeah, he's got he's got like the Quebec flag on his mm. shirt for these people. For Dino Absolutely. and Earthquake. Uh, they nearly get demolition, nearly gets rid of DiBiase, and Dino saves his ass. Um, number 19, the Canadian Earthquake is here. And he's stopping. Earthquake, this is so funny to me. Earthquake immediately gets in the ring, immediately starts doing his like jumpy stomp thing. Axe walks up to him as if he's about to attack Earthquake and then doesn't. But he like stands behind him and watches him do like the stomp, stomp, stomp thing. Uh, he sure. starts stomping the hell around and he throws Dusty out to be the 12th elimination and then uh, Demolition try to attack Earthquake and Earthquake lifts up Axe and throws him out of the ring yo like 13 man out and then okay this is when Haku steps to Earthquake in a heel v heel way and he's like alright listen brother we gotta get you out of here right now we're done Wait, Earthquake is healed too? I thought he was face. Jimmy Hart, none of Jimmy Hart's men or people are baby oh, faces. Oh, fuck, you're right. You're right, shit. I, cause like, I thought he got like kind of a pot. I don't fucking know. A little bit. I mean, people, I mean, it's his, the Earthquake yeah. stuff is kind of fun. But he is a yeah. heel. And like, number, before Haku tries to fight off Earthquake and gets his ass whooped for it. Number 20, Jim Neidhart is here. Now and Nightheart yes. goes straight for Earthquake, and now we see watch as baby faces and heels decide to make peace to get the fucking earthquake out of here. Uh so as you should. All six of them smash Haku, Jim Nightheart, Jimmy Snooka, Ted DiBiase, and Dino Bravo all kind of jump in to help throw Earthquake out. Yes. They they they're all like and and then everyone else is like, hey wait, DiBiase's still here. Fuck this guy. Hey wait a minute. Hey hold up a second. And then number twenty one. It's the Ultimate Warrior. Warrior. Something I find interesting is that all of the giants that would stereotypically you'd think would be something for Hogan or Warrior to deal with. 
all of them are gone before Hogan or Warrior even show up. Like no Andre, point. no Akeem, no Earthquake. Well, fucking what? So what else? I the the other thing I want to like uh, mention to um, is is like it it feels like DiBiase is supposed to be the kind of like final boss at least of a large amount of this like he is he is the ultimate main antagonist and so i feel like you couldn't book those giants to be as powerful as they normally would if you want tbs dbs to kind of be your central bad guy of this right like mm -hmm. he is uh he's fucking um the 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 man to beat because he's because he's you know dicking around this whole time um i I will say, uh, in one of many Royal Rumble, just turn your brain off moments. Nightheart and Smash actually, uh, not Smash Axe. Wait, no, Axe is no. out. It's Smash. Smash. It is Smash. Okay. Uh, no, Nightheart and Smash lift up DiBiase on their shoulders, right next to the rope, and I'm like, oh, he's gone. But instead of just throwing him out of the ring, they just power bomb him in the back to the center. It's like, no, no, you could have. Why you put him, you okay. go in the wrong way. You in the wrong direction. Yeah, but yes, Warrior and the crowd loses its Warrior. fucking mind as the Warrior runs in and immediately throws out Dino Bravo. Yeah, they botch this move because he try because he does the thing where he like he lifts him up and throws him over, and they like miss the timing of it to like get on for Bravo okay. to get on Warrior's shoulders. But they do get I him thought out of I there. Caught that. I no, thought yeah. I caught that. Oh my god, that's funny. Um, so all right. Men are fifth, half the field's gone now. 15 up, 15 are down. Yep. So, um, Rick so Martell shows up and everyone's like, K. Well, Ted DiBiase in his most bullshit, not eliminated moment of the match. Nightheart and Warrior have DiBiase on the ropes. It's over. And then Nightheart and Warrior just start punching each other instead, and ro and DiBiase rolls away into the corner. Ah, uh, yes, DiBiase, uh, uh, fucking, he executed his, uh, his, uh, silver tongue money. He's like, he's like, hey, hey, I'll pay you all like two hundred dollars to fight each other instead. And their fucking eyes roll back in their head, and they're like, must fight my ally. Jesse Ventura spends a lot of the match calling Warrior an idiot for his tactical decisions. This is, in fact, one of those moments. Yeah, and you know what? True. Yeah, number 22 out is the Rick, the model, Martel. Um, Martel and uh, Martel, it's, and the only thing interesting really here is that Haku uh, kicks Smash off the apron to take him out of the match, so Demolition is completely gone. Uh, and Mart and Martel nearly gets himself eliminated by Nightheart, but he just barely hangs onto the apron. Here. Oh, get number this 20, jabroni out of here! Well, don't worry. Number twenty-three is Tito Santana, who immediately uh, yes. goes after Rick Martel. Thank you for reminding me of this, Jesse Ventura. But they used to be a tag team together, Tito oh, Santana and Rick Martel. So they're like they're fighting each other for pretty much the rest of their time in the match. Our our first. And only former tag, you know, former tag team in this fucking uh, 
uh, match that are actually like turning on each other again. They're former tag team, but for again, for as much as all these fucking people were talking up to you know brother turning against brother, it's every man for himself. I think this is the only tag team we actually see like really fight each other yeah. in this entire like the only faction that goes to war against itself. Also, Jesse Ventura resolutely refuses to call Tito Santana by his name. Instead, referring to him as Chico Santana. Thank you. I guarantee it's just because he didn't fucking know his name. And you know what? Understandable. Have a nice day. Uh, so, DiBiase nearly eliminated again, but this time, and they mentioned several times on commentary this has been happening, is in several of these, like, DiBiase's in the ropes moments, Virgil is running over and pushing DiBiase back into the ring. Ooh. That's uh, I that that is one I missed, but that is at least a slightly less bullshit shenanigans way of keeping DiBiase in for longer. Because uh, yeah, Virgil's fucking hanging out valet style this entire this entire time. I was surprised he didn't have his own entrance in the uh, in the Rumble. He no, was just kind of there. For now, for now he is just a valet. Uh, number twenty four, the Honky Tonk Man is finally here. It's time to finally play some hits. Yeah, uh, uh except fucking what 16, 17 hits short of what he said he was gonna hit because yeah, all these motherfuckers 16, are gone, 16, but okay. 16 men are already out of this match, so um, yeah, no, and immediately Warrior starts fighting Honky Tonk Man. Um, I wrote in a big kerfuffle with Martel Warrior and DiBiase, Nightheart is thrown out because I can't even tell what exactly happened here. They were all just kind of wrestling know, each other in the ropes and Nightheart fell out. So Nightheart is out. And then after 44 minutes, oh, Ultimate Warrior clotheslines Ted DiBiase, number 18, out of the match. Oof, ow, and also owie. But also, like, it uh, it is interesting um, that fucking DiBiase did get to hold on for that long and they they did kind of make this story out of how much he like how much fuckery there was last time and how the, he kind of was forced to make an honest man out of himself a little bit. This he time. was gutting it out in this role. Yeah. Yeah, and so it made for this kind of cool. Um so like uh it's 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 perfect too cuz um yeah um warrior yeets mdm with the fucking clothesline so the um the the warm-up boss has been defeated which means like fucking clockwork i am a real american i'm not working with i'm not i'm not working with dibiase dude he's he's that's your brody dibiase brother he's you gotta get out of the ring before i show up dude well like again like even if hogan was like politicking backstage like i don't want to fucking work dibiase dude fucking it, it did make for a great and see this is what kind of fucked with me okay so i am aware of the reason austin that you and i are are here i am aware of the 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 arc that we are pursuing and the and the and the end point of this arc and so i in this you know pretty tightly structured match even if my tired ass tuned out for like the middle chunk of it because i just didn't know half these storylines um i thought okay 
So Warrior comes in, and DiBiase is the motherfucker to beat right now. Warrior comes in, fucks around a bit, and then gets DiBiase out. And now it's Hogan's turn. Okay, so the story of the, this is the this is the Warrior Hogan moment, which which means uh, if if Warrior came in and and fucked up DiBiase as this kind of like you know opening preparatory boss that means like he and the final boss in hulk hogan have to have like a legendary showdown through to the end of this thing well um, well some of that is true uh hogan, yeah hogan comes out hogan. at 25 and hogan is like i am i'm here to clean out the ring brother yeah hogan, hogan cleans house takes it down to only four competitors well okay it goes down like this Snooker goes for Hogan. Hogan just immediately yep. throws him out. Yep. Hogan goes for Haku and then big boots him and Haku is out. Uh, Tito That's does funny. an atomic drop on to Martel. Uh, surprisingly not out if this. Hogan beats the shit out of Hoggy Tonk Man. Then he rips his shirt off. Um, yes, you do. Warrior, Warrior tries to chuck Rick Martel and Tito Santana out at the same time. He only gets out Tito in that moment. Honky Tonk Man is choking Hogan with his own shirt. Then comes number 26, Shawn Michaels. Uh, Hogan tosses Honky Tonk Man out at 22. Congratulations, Honky. You played no hits tonight. Warrior no, throws out Shawn one. Michaels almost immediately. Immediately. Again, we are in this phase where Marty Jannetty is the bright, shining star, future star of the Rockers, as Marty is the one who gets a good showing on Ted DiBiase in the early part of the match, and Shawn Michaels is announced nearly immediately. Gone in an instant. That but was right after so that, funny. Throw out Shawn. Warrior throws out Rick Martel, and there's only two men left in the ring now. It's the stare down Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior. Yes. And, and they do, they do the like face pushed up against facing They're They're about to kiss. Um, and you know, they're chattering to each other. Oh, I think it's like Hogan pushes warrior and they just start going the fuck to town. Yeah. They do some basics. They do some shoving. They do some shoulder bumps. They do the Chris, they do crisscross applesauce, run the ropes. Uh, it ends with them clotheslining each other and both men go down. So, you know, just enough to tease you and make you want to see these guys go out a little bit more. I will say, like, I will say it, it, it does like create, yeah, this nice kind of cool preview for what a full rivalry between the two of them could really look like, um, which is, it, it's cool and it looks cool. And like, as a teaser for things to come, it's sick. And also, knowing the extent of either of these men's move sets, uh, it does dampen the effect knowing that, like, there's not going to be much variety past this it's little only, preview that we're so getting. Much more we're going to get with them. They're um, they're, they're they're work rating too hard. They're blowing all of their like possible combos of moves to against against each other in like thirty seconds. 
But out comes at 27, the Barbarian. To the Barbarian's here, this. I guess. Uh, oh, barbarian and I'm like, well, like, okay, Barbarian's here to make things look dangerous for our final two. Oh, oh yeah, no. Yeah, here to drop some elbows on both of them and be like, yeah, taking advantage. Rick Rude yeah. runs out early at 28. Early. D Dumbfuck botches his entrance and commentary has to be like, oh, what happened? He just ran out early. Oh, okay. That's a thing you can do. Um, I, cause that, that had to have been a botch, right? Like, cause yeah. that was way too pointless to be yeah, a they, scripted he runs, moment. He runs out and then the 10 second countdown clock pops on the screen. And, and then, then it just quickly take it off. They're like, wait, fuck. Um, hold up a second. So then it's 2v2ing again. Barbarian takes on Hogan. Rude takes on Warrior. Yeah. Uh, Barbarian and Rude almost get Hogan out of the match, but Warrior grabs Based. Rude and stops him. And Jesse Ventura is like, what the fuck are you doing, Warrior? Why are the, you helping Hogan? It's th 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 have you not been paying attention to this entire rumble, you dipshit? Morality mm -hmm. lines are are in full play but, here. Okay, well, mostly. So what happens next? Barbarian oh knocks God. Hogan down, and mm -hmm. so he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna go fight the warrior." But Hogan no mostly no sells this, and so of Barbarian and Rude have Warrior on the ropes. Hogan runs over. Bumps them all, and Warrior goes out of the ring. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> this is where shit got... I, this is the moment, Austin, that I realized, oh, wait, this is 1990, and this is I was booking this... Hulk Hogan show. I was... I was booking this with 2023 sensibilities. We were actually intelligent about the feuds that you want to build up. Um, I, because what made sense to me was what gets this match, what gets this feud really a rumble in, right? Is that Hogan and Warrior make it to the final two. Like they have to, they, they square up a little bit and then they fight off a bunch of other dudes who are there to make it look dangerous and to force them to work together a little bit. But then they're back to being the final two and they go at it. It's crazy. And maybe even Warrior beats Hulk. And that would be such an upset. That is an instant rivalry right there with like insane ramifications. Because uh, that's what made sense to me. What I failed to consider was Hulk Hogan never wins or never loses, have, brother. That's well, not going to work for I got, him. Well, I got a better idea for you, dude. Is what's gonna happen, brother? Is I'm gonna accidentally <laughs> knock Warrior out of the match, dude, and Jesse Ventura will be like, I betrayed Ultimate Warrior, brother, and that's how we start the feud, brother. Instead of Ultimate Warrior beating me or something, dude, that's not gonna happen, but brother. They were so clearly okay with fighting each other, so how is that a betrayal? Well, Jesse always takes the worst possible interpretation. Yeah, okay. Of Hogan, so like. So, like, I get it because pitting Hogan and Warrior against each other here still stands as a cool preview to what's to come. But as an instigator for a feud, I fail to see how it's, like, any more compelling than any other feud that could be started out of just one dude eliminating another from the Royal Rumble here. Mm -hmm. It's not as, um, uh, it's not quite as, uh, uh, 
not quite as powerful as it could have been story-wise. Um, but he causes some quick shenanigans on his way out. I even forget what the fuck he does. He, he fucks just kind of runs in the ring. He kind of runs in the ring and hits everybody and then leaves. Yeah. He doesn't even throw anybody he out. He just leaves. Yeah. And then, so the the mildest of shenanigans. And then Rick Root is here too, I guess. Oh no, no, that's already happened. Hercules is here too, I yeah, guess. He is the most like you I didn't need to see you this late in this match, man. Like Yeah, I know. We are Holy in the end, we are like in the end game of this match, narratively speaking. Who fucking cares about Hercules? Why are you the why why you're this is supposed to be for important people, Hercules? Get get out of here. Yeah, because then number 30 is Mr. Perfect. And you know, yeah, he's feuding with Hulk, and he immediately goes for Hulk Hogan. And okay, and then Hercules back body drops Barbarian out of the ring. Just as there was a malfunction at the junction with Rude and Barbarian. Ooh, the the final, fun, the malfunctioniest. The final four are Hulk Hogan, Hercules, Mister Perfect, and Rick Rude. One of these things is very much not like the other, <laughs> and that says something because Rude almost immediately tosses Hercules out, having I know nothing. It is not a single damn classic, thing. It is now classic two heels versus one Hogan situation yeah yeah perfect and rude try to double team hogan which i'm sure is gonna go just fine I'll for admit, them i will admit this is one of the more clever ways i could have imagined them resolving the ho the issue of like two heels versus one hogan is basically oh i don't like how you said that two heels one hogan coming soon to pornhub no thank you i'm so sorry anyway Rude tries to double team Hogan malfunction at the junction again. He not perfect gets knocked through the middle rope. So he's not out. And then Hogan throws Rick Rude towards the ropes. And Mr. Perfect is trying to climb back in the ring and in pulling down the ropes for him to do that. Rick Rude falls out of the ring. Oh, so perfect. Oh. Accidentally. In a very organically, organic kind of way, accidentally caught, gets Rude eliminated. I sure fucking malfuncted that junk did. Um, but now it's down then, to Hulk Hogan and Mr. Perfect, and Ho Perfect is they, doing his they, best. He really they do is. an admittedly sixth spot. I think this is right after Rude's elimination. They do this admittedly pretty sixth spot where, um, because Perfect is like standing on the apron holding the rope. Hogan is standing at the rope from inside the ring. Hogan fucking like pulls on the rope, and Perfect like is supposedly in response to the massive force of Hogan pulling on this rope. He like fucking front flips his way back into the ring that actually looked pretty sick they they executed that pretty well oh you know perfect lays into hogan he hits the perfect plex and hogan immediately hulks up and no sells it yeah it's, 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 it, it's pretty it, it was rare. very non-traditional uh it was a very non-traditional hulk up sequence we didn't even get a you out of it it's um weird. it's kind of weird because like Hogan, for all his no selly horse shit, he usually doesn't do that to finishers, which is what the perfect plex is. Oh god, um, Hogan's starting to flanderize himself. Anyway, Hogan uh like monkey flips perfect head first into the post in the ring post, 
And then he just chucks perfect out of the ring and wins. Pretty much. R.I.P. It, um, it took them two tries, but Hulk Hogan has won the Royal Rumble. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know why I expected any different. I can't believe I actually let myself come in with the expectation that fucking Ultimate Warrior actually beats Hogan here. I, I can't believe I actually fucking thought maybe that's what we were going for. Why why am I such a fool, Austin? Why did I allow myself? Well, there's still almost three minutes left on this here broadcast. Yeah, we got to get a requisite. It's a hot dog in time. He Hogan immediately finds some blanket that's in the crowd that says Hulkamania will live forever. And he just and snaps then, it. He's like, that's my now, dude. Jesse Ventura is still like, Hogan, you turncoat bitch for you how you yep. eliminated the warrior. Based. And yeah, Hulk Hogan has won the Royal Rumble um, in 1990. But the seeds have as been As the planted. champion. As, yeah, as the champion. He has also won the Rumble. Uh, but the seeds for this stuff with the Warrior have been planted even beyond this match. They keep circling each other in promos and being like, you know, the one guy here really want to test myself against is the other guy. Ah, like, okay. Warrior, I mean, it's like, it's like, like the warrior promo from earlier. If you could, the 28 normal men plus Hulk Hogan. I, the, yeah, Hulk, Hogan, okay. Hulk Hogan walks around with a different force field and all that. You, you got it. You got that plot armor, man. No, like I get, I get it. And like, that's a fair enough thing to build this rivalry on, but man, it could have been so in, in what is otherwise such a tightly plotted, um, rumble, just resorting to this dumb fuck Hogan wins lull in the last, with the last few competitors is so annoying. It's about what I expected. Yeah, but that doesn't make it less annoying. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway. Well Rumble 1990, I enjoyed the Rumble match. Uh, even, right. if, even if it dissolved into Hogan wins lol. Uh, everything else, yeah. no. Why? I was kind of here. I was kind of here for um uh for genius versus uh barber. I was here a little bit for it. I was here for Mr. Perfect being extremely based and correct that uh, yeah, Bruce true. Cake is trying to take advantage of people, unconscious people, and assault them and cut their hair. Yeah, some bullshit, brother. Should stand up for that. Um, he, did, he didn't consent to Lucha Stay a place this dude. No, he he did not consent to this hair cutting shit. Um, that's the thing too. Is it like it's not even like people are agreeing to matches with Beefcake where if you lose you'll get your hair cut. He just like threatens it. He like threatens to if you if I beat you I'm gonna cut your hair. And they're like, no. And he's like, ah, fuck, fuck you. you. I'm doing it anyway. What are you going to do about it? Fuck you. I'm going to. He's like, ah, you know what you're getting into with me. That's close enough to being okay with it. And also, I don't care because I'm a dick, even though I'm a face. I'm a fuck. Oh, my God. You can get away with anything as a baby face. You can get away with anything as a baby face. Having a match with me is consent to getting your hair cut. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, yeah, so that has been the Royal Rumble 1990. We'll be back here 
as we continue the road to WrestleMania 6. We got a couple of adverts for that on this show. April 1st at the Sky Dome in Toronto. Yeah, they're they're going they're going fucking over to Canada. I love how like this day and age, especially for like, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm used to AEW, but I feel like when companies go like international to Canada or you know, somewhere else of that per- periphery, it's like this whole thing now of like, ah, oh, they we're stopping by outside the US, but here they're just like so casual, like, yeah, we're going to Canada. Yeah, yeah, we'll be there, we'll be there next week. See you guys there. You know, it's no big thing. Yeah, goodbye. Yeah. Okay, so we'll be back here is soon enough to continue on that for WrestleMania 6. Uh, but for next time, we are back in Lucha Underground instead. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I had a, I kind of thought, had a thought yesterday of like, fuck, it's been a hot minute since we've been in Lucha Underground, it feels like. We we've are, been, we've we been away right for on time long from the temple. As we continue on the road to rest to season two. And I don't have the notes in front of me of what the next episode is about. But, you know. That's fine. It's going to be good shit no matter what. Because it's Lucha Underground and everything it does is good shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cuerno has to put his belt on the line because he pissed off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, something like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's She's like, you dare cross me? Fuck you. Anyway. Yep, so that is for next time. Until then, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir, dear friends. Thank you all so much for joining us in yet another episode of the News and Knockouts podcast. We are so delighted to have you here. If you're a returning listener, reviewer, what have you, you know the drill. Thank you so much for, once again, welcoming us back into your eardrums, your eyeballs, whatever the hell it is you use to consume our content. It's great to have you here. We hope you had a great time with us. And, and you know, just keep, keep on coming back. You know we love you guys. But, hey, hi, new people. Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for being here. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think we are friendly to both news and knockouts alike. So whether you're brand new to the wild, wacky world of wrestling or you're a veteran of all the weird bullshit, either way, we hope you, uh, you've you enjoyed yourself. We hope things have felt accessible to you here. We hope you feel welcome here, and we hope you want to keep coming back to hang out with us week after week. And I will tell you all the ways you can do so. First of all, you can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe. Ring that bell. Make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every single time we drop a brand new episode um uh, check out our playlist because austin has been kind enough to organize all the arcs that we follow into their own separate playlist so you can follow something all the way down without having to skip around a whole hell of a lot it's great you can see our lovely beautiful faces and our our sweet sweet like fancy hud it's just it's just a great time you know come come check it out uh on on the youtube noobs and knockouts podcast uh but of course if you're a fan of the audio only experience we understand that as well brother uh you can uh absolutely come join us on spotify google Podcasts, or apple Podcasts. three of the best places to find your podcast uh naturally uh give us a listen there download our show if you're so inclined maybe give us a nice little five star rating if you if you if you like uh and maybe even a review that says these guys are pretty cool and i don't know maybe more people should be listening to them i'm just saying and you know it's, it's a suggestion um so, you know no matter if you want to watch or just listen, we got something for you. News and Knockouts Podcast on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Of course, though, we exist on this, uh, in the world past this little void that we find ourselves in every single week. Uh, 
you can find us on a few different places on the interwebs. Uh, primarily, of course, is our Twitter. You can find us at Noobs and Noxpod on Twitter. That's at Noobs, the letter N, Noxpod on Twitter. Uh, come say hi to us there. Uh, we post memes. We engage in discourse. We put up a post every single time we drop a brand new episode, so you guys always know what the hell is going on. Of course, the highlight of our Twitter is weekly wrestling live tweeting every Wednesday night at, or, you know, at least every Wednesday night we can make it work. It's been kind of hectic recently, but, you know, in theory, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern uh, on TBS, we are watching AEW Dynamite and tweeting all about that good, good shit. Um, and then, you know, on Fridays, too, if we're feeling especially frisky, uh, we are watching, what else, AEW Rampage at 10 p.m. Uh, Eastern on TNT. It is the show that y'all been waiting on, and we love to tweet about it. We, I've been, I know y'all been waiting on me to tweet about it again. Look, I've been, I'm in a show. I've been, be get off my ass. Uh, but, you know, the, we try. Uh, on top of all of that, of course, Austin, being the knockout that he is, uh, is is a man who catches up with all of the the major uh, company pay-per-views and even tweets about those sometimes. So, my friend, please, what is on the docket coming up? Sure. For the WWE, not really watching that right now since Vince McMahon came back to the company Fuck as part of this. That motherfucker. But Fuck I guess it would be... I would consider it unfair to not mention at least the month the monthly pay-per-view events. Uh Saturday, May 6th is WWE Backlash. Uh the last show before this all this draft shit they got going on on TV right now takes effect. Mm. You know, you got Matt Riddle, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn versus the Bloodline, Cody Rhodes versus Brock Lesnar, Rhea Ripley versus ah. Selena Vega. Uh, Rhea Ripley versus Selena Vega for the SmackDown title. More on that in a mm. second. Uh, Seth uh. Rollins versus Omos. Uh, Theory versus Bobby Lashley versus Bronson Reed for the U.S. title. Uh, Bianca Belair versus EO Sky for the Raw title. That's interesting because oh. Bianca and EO have both been drafted to SmackDown. So oh, interesting. What we're going to do is just have Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair do a belt exchange. Sure. I guess the lamest way you could resolve that issue. That's uh, really lame. Bad but but Bad Bunny versus Damian Priest in a San Juan street fight. Oh, let's go! Because it, it, it takes place in San Juan. Yep, let's go. Outstanding. Um, now for AEW upcoming for them on May twenty eighth, double or nothing. Right now we got one. Yo, win. We got yo, win, dude, dude. Uh, hmm? Oh, so sorry. Go, go, go on. Then I'll say my thing. MJF versus Sammy Guevara for now for the world. For title. now, they're they're they insist. Oh boy, do they insist that it's not going to be a four pillars? And I I it's find that really hard to believe. And I'm, I'm I'm gonna be a little upset if that actually ends up being the truth. Um, I I will say I'm very excited. Uh, I'm going I'm going to the Detroit show next week. Uh, well, the the a week from. Yeah, well, yeah. When, by the time this episode drops, it'll be it'll be technically next week. I, I'm going to the Detroit show on May 10th, and they are, they've already fucking announced Moxley versus Omega in a steel fucking cage. I'm so excited. The, these fucking de de with the goddamn Detroit shows, they're like cage matches. Why it's so good? I think I'll have it a second time. Pretty mad you're gonna get to see Kenny by God Omega. Uh, but Kenny, I hear the battle cry. Yeah, I'm so mad that you're going to hear the battle cry. <laughs> uh, all right, for Impact Wrestling, July 15th is Slammiversary, their big anniversary show. 
So Ooh, we do love a good slam anniversary. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Yeah, no, it's a be sure to check all that out, folks. We like to tell you guys about the pay-per-views because especially if you're like of the noobish persuasion, the, the pay-per-views are just a great way, are a great little jumping on point. They are almost always guaranteed to be like fantastic shows, or at the very least, like big bombastic fun dumb shows. Um, great kind of introduction to the art form, and like a lot of big feuds are wrapping up and new things are getting kicked off. It's just a wonderful jumping on point. Um, so we like to tell you guys about it and and you know, uh just generally join. Join us all over on the Twitter if you like listening to us ramble about wrestling for multiple hours on end for some reason. Uh, you'll like it over there as well. The voices carry over, and you know, like we're pretty cool dudes to hang out with, even in a virtual setting. So, no- at Noobs and Knox Pod on the Twitter is where you'll find that. Uh, of course, if you want to get more direct, long-form contact with us, because you know that you know pesky old Twitter character limit, uh, you can you can email us, which has zero character limits. Uh, uh, fucking, you can you can uh, hit us up at Noobs and Knockouts Pod at Gmail that's noobs, the word, and knockoutspod at gmail.com. Come say hi to us there. Tell us what you think about the show. Uh, you know, request things you want to see us cover on the show. You know, tell us how based and red pill our hot takes are, how fucking stupid we sound. The, the, either way, just start discourse. Say hi. We love people saying hi. We would love to say hi back. Noobs and knockoutspod at gmail.com. Of course, finally, we are also on Patreon. If you want to, like, kind of more directly uh, uh, support this show monetarily, yeah, cha-ching, cha-ching. Uh, you can you can find us on the Patreon. The link for that is in our Twitter. One dollar a month gets you early access to episodes, and a shout-out at the end of each episode. Shout-out, as always, to who else? Uh, the Sugar Daddy, Kyle Smith, friend of the show, for being our most loyal of, of patrons. Thank you, buddy. I hope you appreciate your perks. He's, 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 he's right out there doing something. Uh, you know, I hope he's appreciating his perks right, right, right now. Uh, um, and if you want to enjoy your perks along with our boy Kyle, uh, you can do so. Noobs and Knockouts Podcast on Patreon. The link for that, again, is in our Twitter. See y'all next time. Hasta luego.